The Linux Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan and DigitalOcean. Go over to digitalocean.com and use our promo code LASTDIGITAL and then you can spin up your own Linux rig for free. Welcome to Linux Action Show, episode 360. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hey, Noah, good morning to you. And guess what, Noah? It's a big show today. A real big show. It is. Yeah, coming up on uh, today's episode of the Linux Action Show, we're going to start a chronicle of sorts where we're going to follow people who've switched to Linux. A lot of times on this show we talk about switching to Linux or how to get people to switch or what would make more people switch. Well, what happens once they make the switch? What goes wrong? What breaks? What didn't we expect? And what can we fix for them and let you know? And maybe you can give us feedback and we'll make their experience even better. So beginning today, we're going to chronicle the journey of several users making the move, Mac users and Windows users, and document what happens. Towards the end of today's episode, I have a big announcement, something I've been waiting to make since episode one of the Linux Action Show. And I can't wait to tell you. I want to tell you right now, but I'm going to wait. As a good showman, I must wait and tell you towards the end of the segment, but I'm really excited. Uh, so I think it's going to be a fun series, and hopefully we'll end at Linux Fest Northwest, where we can do some man-on-the-street interviews of people that are attending Linux Fest that have recently switched and get their takes, find out what went wrong. And by the end, we'll hopefully have a great series of videos that when somebody makes the switch to Linux, you can give to them that they can watch so they'll know what kind of bumps they'll run into. Everybody from an office worker to a gamer, music enthusiasts and photo professionals or photos enthusiasts, we're going to cover all of it in today's episode. It is a massive beginning of a journey, and we're marking it right here with episode three. 360 of the big show. Of course, in the news segment, we'll talk about our friends at the Ubuntu Mate project getting a sweet hardware, hardware deal. Elementary OS has a big announcement, and they played it pretty smooth. So we'll talk about what they announced, how they announced it, and why I think some other distributions maybe might want to take a few cues, but it's probably not what you're thinking. Uh, and then, of course, in the news segment, we're going to have to talk about Valve getting kind of generous. And last but not least, Intel has something pretty fascinating, a recap of GNOME 3.16, the Linux Action Show's first look at the new desktop. And there was a bit of a kerfuffle with a friendly Linux distro. And it ended up in a name change. And so there's been some confusion, so we'll clear all of that up in this episode, plus the feedback. But Noah, before all of that, it's our picks. Wow. It is. This is a huge-ass show already. Um, and I'll tell you what, it came together at the last minute this week, but uh, a lot Literally. of great things came together to make it an awesome show, starting with our Runs Linux this week, which came in from viewer Ricardo, and we've asked for some, uh, hey, show us some Run Linux in the wild, and boy, did he deliver. It's, it's my favorite thing because, you know, here, of course, we're always thinking of Linux in the context of the desktops and the servers and these crazy devices, mm -hmm. but truly, Linux is in our environment all the time in ways we never really know that, and Ricardo's Runs Linux this week truly reminds Reminded us, us of that when he shows us a touchscreen display, I think at his local mall uh, in Naples, Florida, or Naples, Florida. How do you say that? Naples, you know? Naples? Apples? I don't know. Anyways, shopping center he's at. Guess what? Display runs Linux. I'll let him explain it. The mall and just walking by just a, a booth here that had a slideshow going. And we realized it was a touch screen, and me and my daughter both touched the screen at the same time, and somehow we <laughs> killed the application that was running. I guess it was Chrome. And... Uh, they're running Ubuntu desktop here, and I just thought I'd film that and share it with everybody. So, very cool. Very cool. I finally got the uh, keyboard up and running on this screen, and I got a game that I created. Oh, and my daughter just closed it. Your daughter totally <laughs> trolled the screen. <laughs> let's see. There we go. So, let's see. Yeah, so it's let's kind of like a basic touchscreen. 
And it's interesting they're running the full Unity desktop when it crashes down, and it must be running inside the Chromium browser. And Chromium mm-hmm. has some, and if it's an older version of Chromium, the touch support is very unstable. As, as, as I've been using this Dell touchscreen monitor, I've definitely noticed Chrome's touch uh, improvement has gotten, uh, has, sta- has gotten a lot more stable. Uh, with How about releases. Firefox? How, does that, how have you found that compares? It's not even a comparison. Yeah, Firefox is super disappointing in comparison, in my opinion. Oh, for a touchscreen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, like, here, I, actually, you know what? Why don't I just show you? I'll just show you because I've got them both right here. Me. So uh, let's, uh, let's pick your favorite website. Uh, you read it every single day, Slashdot. <laughs> and uh, so here we are. Uh, here, here's Slashdot in Chrome, right? Uh, Chromium. Let's be technically accurate. So here's a Slashdot in Chromium. And uh, I will bring up the Fox, which, you know, is the latest version here. Uh, totally updated uh, just this morning before I went on air. And... Um, so uh, uh, here, I'll pull this up. And I love me Firefox. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I totes respect the Mozilla Foundation. Uh, I love that they are sort of freedom fighters for the web, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'm not just blowing smoke. But again, so I go to Noah's favorite website, slash dot dot org. Okay? Now, uh, over here in Chrome, you'll notice I can, uh, sc- I can scroll the web page. I can pinch to zoom in here. I can, uh, I can even switch tabs by using the touch interface. Really nice, which is, uh, of course, it's a little hard because some of the targets are not great. And there, so I can, and I can, uh, so let me zoom back out again here. So, uh, and I can, I can pull down like this. Now, if I go over here to Firefox, I can, oh, wait, I can't, I can't scroll in Firefox. I, I can't oh, okay. pinch to zoom. I, I can't switch tabs in so- Firefox. Oh, there we go. I can switch that tab. I, I can't scroll the page in Firefox. I, oops, switched well, over really, to Chrome. Really, Chris, it's, it, it's it a, appears that Firefox is, is appearing how I would expect a desktop environment to behave on a touchscreen, and Chrome is behaving how I would expect a mobile platform to behave on a touchscreen, though I can understand why the mobile is far preferable, right? Yeah, it, and I think it's, it's, I don't know if it's fair to say that touch is only on mobile anymore since so many laptops and devices ship with yeah, touch. Absolutely. In fact, most, a lot of them, you can't find it without touch. But I'm just saying that if, if from Firefox's perspective, yeah. when I drag on the screen, I, if I put my mouse in the middle of the screen and I drag down, nothing will happen. Yeah. Thus, I would expect, if I have a touch screen, I, I expect a touch well, screen and, emulate a mouse. And like the chat was pointed out, it's part of the problem is, is uh, I think the decoration around Firefox is GTK2. I don't know exactly, mm-hmm. but I think that's a bit of a limitation. Uh, again, mm-hmm. it's a temporary limitation, but you asked specifically about touch support, uh, right. and it, yeah. Chrome is better at touch support on that. Sure. Uh, and so I think that's why they'd be running the demo in, in Chromium there. Because it's you know it's mm-hmm. just better off, uh, and so it's it, but it makes you wonder like I, a lot of times when I walk past large displays like this one here at the mall, I look I, I, a lot of times I think, yeah that could be yeah that could be Windows or it might be Linux. I'll leave my game running. Sorry, fuckers. Maybe I should also. So why would they? Why have a game though? Like, what's the point of that? I, I think he put that on there. Oh, I, he did actually. He said my game. That's right. He did. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. He loaded it because he made a touchscreen game and he loaded it on there. Yeah. So he loaded his own game on this mall kiosk display. <laughs> he rooted the box. We be playing this game on, but my daughter figured out how to get to the uh, desktop, and so we were able to redirect the web browser. <laughs> Go ahead, boop the member. This is my kind of guy. This guy's awesome, dude. <laughs> good job. Yeah, really good job. Could you imagine... Can you believe that we live? We are so lucky that we get to live in a time where you could see a display like this in the mall and you could load your own touchscreen game on it, even if you're not supposed to. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a TV. 
That is, that's a great runs, Linux. Uh, thank you, Ricardo, for sending that into the show. That's a super cool one. I think what we can all take away from this is if you put Windows on a kiosk and it crashes, you're just going to get a blue screen right, and nothing no will work. That's if no you fun. put Linux on there and it crashes, people will run amazingly cool games. Way better perk. Way better perk. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. ergo, it's like put, a failover system. Yeah. So, put Linux everywhere because at least when it crashes, you still get to have a good time. That's Noah's business yeah. tip for you, everybody. Uh, I got a business right. tip for you. DigitalOcean. Go over to digitalocean.com right now. First sponsor of Linux Action Show. Why DigitalOcean? It makes me look like uh, I'm like some sort of large scale media production company the way I can spin up infrastructure. I'm over there spinning up droplets whenever I need something. I feel like a boss in a data center calling up my IT guy. Meanwhile, I'm just going over to DigitalOcean and spinning up Linux servers like a pro. DigitalOcean.com is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own cloud server. It's a Linux box up in the cloud. You're going to get root access with an HTML5 console. You following all of that? It's crazy ass fast because they're using SSDs everywhere. It's connected to some of the best bandwidth in the internet. And of course, you know they're using Linux on the, on the back end too. For the virtualizer, they're using KVM. So that's top notch as well. And you can get started in less than 55 seconds. That's insane. You think about it. A Linux rig that you own, 55 seconds. Oh, wow. I mean, when I used to do virtual servers, it was a total different process. And pricing plans started only $5 a month. That'll get you 512 megabytes of RAM. 512 megabytes of RAM. Now you're like, oh, that's not a lot of RAM. Chris, doesn't look a lot of RAM. Wrong. Wrong. Don't doubt Linux. What are you, a Linux doubter? Have you not heard of how awesome the freaking Linux kernel is? And there's no GUI up on these things because you're making them do work for you. You're a boss getting it to do work for you. You would be amazed at how far 512 megabytes of RAM goes. But don't worry. Their pricing plans are super simple, straightforward. You can resize droplets when you need to, and it really is easy. They also offer hourly pricing. But starting at $5, you're going to get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte. A terabyte of transfer. That's so much. I mean, I know, I know folks that are using these for Minecraft servers, Mumble servers, own cloud servers, sync thing servers, BitTorrent sync servers. And then they're still like, yeah, you know what? I got too much bandwidth. I'm going to go seed my favorite distro. Freya just came out. Let me go seed that beta a little bit because I know everybody just loves to go grab that torrent. And DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. So you can pick some from some GeoVersity. They're working on new areas all the time as well. But after all of these things I've told you about, the final, the final punch, like they came in with like Rocky and they just delivered the final punch, and that is their freaking UI is so incredible, it sets the benchmark. It's so great. People attempt to rip it off. They don't even come anywhere near. Nobody else in the industry can match it because DigitalOcean, they invested in this from the beginning, and they've got designers that know what's up. And on top of all of that, they, they're like, you know what? Even though we've made this incredible interface that is truly, truly first class, we're also going to make the API available. And they just revved their new API. Version 2.0 came out. It's straightforward. It's very easy for you to leverage that API to snap into your existing management infrastructure. And there's tons of community apps built around that API. So even though they have an incredible interface, they're like, hey, you know what? Never look at it. Take this API. And I've heard some really, there's like, so everything from we use Puppet, and when we need to scale, we can on-demand deploy to DigitalOcean, and it matches our entire configuration, and it's perfect. Like, like wow, that is, that is, that's cool. And then I hear things like, oh, yeah, I just use the API to just do a, a, a droplet snapshot before I do a package update. I just do, I run a prescript package snapshot. Like, that's genius, too. And, like, yeah, well, there's some example code out there. It's no big deal. Why? Because the community is freaking awesome over at DigitalOcean. They have amazing tutorials. They have great communities. They have all kinds of apps you can already take advantage of. It's just super, super cool. So use our promo code. That way you get a $10 credit. Last digital. Last digital. I should have said this earlier. I'm just so freaking excited about DigitalOcean. I forgot I can get you a $10 credit. You can try them out. Two months for free. $5 rig. Last digital. L-A-S digital. This is what we've all wanted. 
We've wanted to be able to we've wanted a company to come along and build something that focuses on community, but is built around Linux. But take that stuff. Take that Linux technology. Embrace all of its strengths. Give it an incredible interface. Make it accessible to the people. But yet, because you're utilizing open source technology, make it affordable. And when you use the promo code LASTDIGITAL, you can try it out two months for free. Go deploy a rig with one-click deployments. Go do a package update. Go play with CoreOS. Go play with CoreOS. Or go try FreeBSD. LASTDIGITAL, DigitalOcean.com. But not FreeBSD. Don't, no, don't try it. Yeah. He was kidding about that last one. <laughs> I, uh, you know, when you pair two amazing pieces of technology like Linux and then a company like DigitalOcean that, that can provide you with – because, I mean, Linux does really – it does a really good job for you, but only if you can put it on hardware that you can keep up all the time, right? And you and I have both seen how that works out in practice. You think, well, I'll spend $900, I'll spend $1,400, I'll spend $5,000, and I'll buy the server and I'll plug it in. And then if I spend $5,000 or I spend $5 a month, I'd have my server for X amount of days before I ever broke even, right? And that's, yeah. that's, how, that's how you think it's going to play out, but yeah. it never plays out. No. So just while you were doing the ad read, I, I logged in. I looked. My oldest droplet was created 395 days ago. Wow. Okay. The uptime for that droplet, you ready for this? Yeah. 394 days, 20 <laughs> hours, and 58 minutes. Nice. Okay. So it took me about through two or three hours to get everything set up the way I wanted, and then I guess I restarted it or something. But I haven't touched it since. So much so, I actually forgot the box existed until I scrolled through my droplets, and I'm like, what is the oldest droplet I have? And I'm like, I don't even remember that box. I wonder what that box is up to these days. And I logged in, and... Still up. There you go. So, yeah. You know, and the client doesn't call me. They, yeah. it's not, it's obviously, it's not my box. They haven't called me and said, this isn't working or that's not working or you need to do this or you need to do that. Uh, and that is, th- that, that is DigitalOcean. They are taking care of that hardware backend mm-hmm. for me. Linux takes care of the software, so I forget the box even exists. Mm-hmm. I bill it out to the customer at an inflated rate, of course. What? They, I, they give me an amazing price because yep. it's a $5 droplet. Yep. Um, and it works out. Yep. DigitalOcean.com. Last digital. Tried out two months for free. Thanks, guys. No, uh, this our our desktop epic. Uh, was it an email suggestion? Because I've seen it suggested a couple of times coming to the show, and I've I've mm-hmm. never gotten to it, and I've always meant to because I think for some folks it could be pretty important. So I, I guess I'll let you take it. Who who sent this in, and, and what's it about? Um, do you have it this, there? Did I jump uh, on you? This, <laughs> yeah. Well, no. It, well, no. The the doc automatically scrolled right up. So. Uh, so this is well, this is one of those apps where it's, I, I intentionally limit myself sometimes when I'm on Linux. So I don't look for all the little bells and whistles that some people look for on Windows or Mac OS. And, and I do that intentionally because if I don't look for those bells and whistles, I don't miss them. And so if I only concentrate on the actual things that I'm missing in the opera, the things that I need to get my work done, the things I need to function, mm-hmm. if I only concentrate on those things, Linux has those things. Sometimes we do fall a little short when it comes to the little uh, odds and ends and you know the, the little decorations. And this this app pick today, the app pick called Gramps, is, fits exactly that. It's one of those things that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to research genealogy because my, my mother's side of the family is from Germany. My dad's side of the family is from India. Oh, yeah. And I don't know a whole lot. You know, both of my grandparents are are, are, are deceased, so I have no way of, of looking back at, yeah. at, at what my family ancestry is, even though it extends to vastly different parts of the world, right? And I always just thought that, you know, the, the software that does genealogy and maps and stuff like that, the best I'm going to get is LibreOffice Draw, because... Obviously, there's companies that make this software, but it's never going to run on Linux. And then this guy sent in this email the other day, and I was reading through it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is amazing. That It's amazing that this actually exists on Linux. <laughs> so, I, so I went through, I downloaded it, I was halfway through installing it, and then I got, honestly, I got sidetracked with a bunch of other things. But the fact <laughs> that the software like this exists for Linux and I can use it 
Yeah. And it installed and ran just fine. So I yeah. had no reason yep. to think that I just didn't have time to plan my genealogy. Uh, no, I actually, a couple hours I have it installed show. right that here. It's a GTK application. Yeah, okay. And so, it, yeah. it matches my uh, theme. It looks real nice. Uh, right. And. Uh, and actually, look, it, so it's fully is, modern. Like it's been recently updated too. It's it's really quite a nice application. So, going with the theme of uh, people switching people to Linux, is there anyone out there that's probably sitting going, you know, I'd love to use Linux, but I like to map my genealogy once every yeah. couple of years, and if you don't have software for that, I just can't. I doubt it. I doubt there's anyone out there like that. But there might be somebody out there like me that's saying, listen. That's something I've always kind of been interested in. I just never really knew it was a thing. I never really knew that was available. You know, to me. one thing I have learned is uh, there are a lot of things for a lot of different people, and you never know like mm-hmm. what is the thing that that person needs to make yeah, the switch. True. Like, there's big mm-hmm. ones. There's always Photoshop, AutoCAD, blah 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 blah. Like, there's like a li- blah blah blah. You know, everybody knows those. But then there's always the mm-hmm. weird esoteric ones. That you're like, oh, that's right. like. I remember there's this one person, really good friend of mine, was all in on going to Linux. He just had 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 to have Microsoft Publisher, not Word, not Excel, not PowerPoint, yeah. Publisher, Publisher. Right. And like we got it working under crossover for like one release of Publisher, and that was the uh-huh. thing. That was what broke like his switch to Linux. And so you never know what it's going to be. Genealogy is right. super important to some people. Let me ask you something, and be, you can be honest with me. When, did you ever have somebody that you were trying to switch to Linux and then they went, there's one piece of software I need. I need XYZ. And then in your mind, you're like, you don't need XYZ. Seriously. Yeah, that know, is what right? is going to hang this process yeah, up. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This cannot that's what be I was the like thing that hangs this like, You can live without that. I, that's how I felt about Publisher. I'm like, sometimes. no, there's ways. Yeah. You, I'm like, dude, you don't <laughs> yeah. need Publisher. Yeah. yeah. But they're like, yeah, no, no. Really don't. Bro, I need Publisher. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. And what's yeah. funny, in 2015, he'd have it because you just, just sign him up for yeah. a year of 365. Yeah, now it's a totally different ballgame, isn't it? Runs in a web browser. Yeah, I, so we've gotten a lot of emails about Gramps. I know it's pretty popular in the audience, and I've never totally mm-hmm. gotten into it uh, because it's not really an area. Uh, I, I uh, sometimes pretend like I don't have family. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> But actually, I am kind of interested, so I will take a look at Gramps. Um. So thanks, Noah. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, all right. So uh, we have a um, we have a weekly spotlight this week that I'm pretty excited about. You guys know that I used to flirt with Bitcoin quite a bit. Noah still does, actually. I do. In fact, you I have a... just got my S3 in. Yeah. Uh, a what? A what? What's an S3? It's it's a uh, it's a new miner. So um, you know, obviously, hashing power is getting more and more. Adv- you know, actually, it's going to go down. The difficulty is predicted to go down, but the hashing. You know, you, we have more and more power coming onto the network. So if you want to mine bitcoins. You made an excellent analogy in Plan B a long time ago. You said there are people that are breaking up these huge hunks of gold, and they're taking those home. And then there's little pieces that fall into the river and float downstream. And if you're okay picking those up, then you can Bitcoin mine. And that's what I found. I bought the original Ant Miner for, uh, I think, like $35 off of eBay, and I plugged it in. And I got my $35 back and then some. And <laughs> cool. I just, I, it's just fun to me. It's fun to know that I paid for Even though I did, I'm, it's not like I made any money. I think I bought a couple Happy Meals off of it. But it was fun. Mm-hmm. And so the Actually, actually came I, out, it does 400 I was just interrupted. I was mining uh, you know, a couple years ago. I bought two mm-hmm. video cards with my proceeds from Bitcoin and a laptop. So, yeah. uh, and a phone. I bought my the note, uh-huh. too, that I gave to Matt. I bought that with Bitcoin, too. So I've actually, I've, regarding Bitcoin, I've... I've made out a lot. Now, right now, I don't think I yeah. would, but... So there's some so money in the, it. The, so the Antminer S3 does 450 gigahashes a second, and that's me 12 bucks a week or something like that. So, and I didn't pay very much for it. So, and it's fun. It's fun to me. It's fun to watch this box work, and it's fun to explain it. And, and it's, just, it's a hobby. I don't expect to there make money. There is something satisfying about money. being part of that, um, that, that, that network, you know, being part of that collective that is all working on this task together. Um, and the mm-hmm. fact that it's all open source and works under Linux yeah. is really cool, too. 
Right. So, uh, so I'm talking about I'm talking about mining Bitcoin and the fact that my S3 is coming the next day, and I'm so excited. Yeah. And I'm in the chat room, and this guy reaches out, and he goes, "So, do you take Bitcoin at Alta Speed?" I'm like. Pfft. Is Alta Speed not on the leading edge? Of course we take Alta. Of course we take Bitcoin at Alta Speed. In fact, we have a flat rate of Bitcoin, so it doesn't matter if Bitcoin's worth a penny or ten thousand dollars. Where it's the same amount of Bitcoin for per really? hour of service. He How goes, do you do that? What do you use to? Uh, because I just made it. I'm just stubborn like that, and I've just decided that we're going to take this much Bitcoin to accept the service call, and I don't care if I make money or lose money. Well, what do you do when Bitcoin's a thousand dollars a coin? Well, then nobody pays in Bitcoin. Yeah. But, uh, so, so he asked me, he goes, do you have a payment processor? And I said, yeah, I have BitPay. He goes, what do you think of them? I said, they're amazing. They, I, they work with me on everything. They're, they're super nice. It's easy to get a hold of people. I they're know where this conversation is going. I've had the same conversation. And he goes, and he goes I, work for, I work for BitPay. And I'm I like, know. you what? And he's like, yeah, I work for BitPay. And he goes, in fact, in fact, uh, we are huge Linux open source advocates. Yeah. And I'm like, no way. Yeah. No way. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, of course. You have to be if you're going to be in. So he sent in uh, our desktop uh, or our spotlight this our week. Our weekly spotlight, yeah. And, uh, Look at that. And essentially, yeah, and essentially what it is. So what these are, they're pies, Chris. And this is how BitPay mines bitcoins. And they do it just – I think obviously you're not making any serious hashing off of this because like the real hashers, they're, they're, point, they're, they're pulling like 7.3 tera hashes so in a single unit. And they're, they they're, running like a, so they're running like a USB hub. Uh, so they have here's, right. for those of you on the audio version. There's three USB hubs in the picture. Uh, two hubs seem to be powering fans, and then one hub seems to be powering ASICs that are running back to a Raspberry Pi that is using that expansion uh, connector on the top of the Pi to uh, to where it looks like at least uh, to 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 run this. And, and there's the counter there with a the digital readout. So what what is BitPay doing? They're just um, they're mining. They're mining, and they're and and again, you know, I don't know if you've seen these. These are those little USB three hundred thirty. I think they are three hundred thirty three uh, mega hash uh, yeah. per second. It looks uh, like he has a, an they're average like of uh, four point five gigahertz right now. So he's averaging yeah, yep, four or five four hashes. Yeah. yeah. So and what uh, and so okay. these are great. And I actually I bought a I bought a bunch of these and I give them away now. If if I run into somebody and they ask me, they seem interested in Bitcoin mining, I'll be like, here, here's an ASIC. Have fun, um, because they cost me like ten bucks and they're fun. They're fun to stick it in your computer and then you watch it generate bitcoins and it's just there's something rewarding and so they have this you know this elaborate setup that has this 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 raspberry pi and then they have the little lcd so i can spit out the the well, the hashes which it's 4.4 yeah. giga hashes who really cares but it's fun to see actually um, and it's fun it's they more than about that. it and that's it, what's interesting it's actually more than fun uh it's actually it, you're actually doing a service to the bitcoin network uh so the more compute on the bitcoin network the more secure mm-hmm. the bitcoin protocol is so the more people that are doing the math the more people that are checking transactions uh the the more safe those transactions are because there's more people verifying them but secondarily from that when you are sort of like downstream sort of sifting the little coins uh what you are doing uh at a micro level noah is you are distributing the hash power away from the mining pools where when the problem and and this could maybe one day become some people might consider this a design flaw of bitcoin i don't think it necessarily is but the problem is is if if one area of the Bitcoin network, if one group, if, if Noah and I just went crazy and we just had the most Bitcoin horsepower in the entire world, which we would never be able to do at this point, uh, but if we did, then, then we would start verifying all of the transactions before the other people in the network could. And if that starts right. to happen, then you can start to double spend because – if yes. you verify, if enough of your hardware verifies it, then the network yeah. considers it a valid transaction. So you can say it's fun, and it is fun, but you on a, on a small level are actually also securing the Bitcoin network by distributing that hashing power outwards and decentralizing it from the mining pools. So you're actually helping secure the, the Bitcoin network as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, sorry, I didn't mean to downplay um, 
downplay what they're doing. I just it from looking at the picture, I would guess that they're doing this more for fun um, than anything else. But it it is this this is a true example of people that quote unquote eat their own dog food, right? They are not there. They are making their money off of processing payments for Bitcoin, and they do it very well, I might add. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they are actually interested in how Bitcoin works. They're interested in how the network works. They're work. They're interested oh, yeah. in actually mining. The guy is a is a is a treasure trove of information about yeah. Bitcoin. He's a super fun guy to have a conversation with. Yeah. Um. And so it's it just it's interesting that we have and these are places that if you're unless you're in heavily in the Bitcoin world, you probably have never heard of BitPay. But they are an amazing provider that really really contributes to the open source community. Really believes in the product that they're selling. They deserve some attention. So I thought it was cool. Yeah, it is cool. And uh, mm-hmm. that's what I like about this phase of Bitcoin is a lot of people that are in it right now are still at the enthusiast stage. So it's mm-hmm. sort of – it reminds yeah. me a lot of Linux in the Linux community because there's yeah. a lot of people that are enthusiasts and they're kind of building their own thing. And uh, some people are having more success than others. And it's, it's, it's a uh, lot of I hope that never there. changes. Yeah. I hope it doesn't progress into this big commercialized conglomerate. I think that the system is set up so that that can't really happen. Well, and actually, right? though, uh, then we'll move off Bitcoin. But uh, I think the, the sort of bumpy road it's been on for the last six months and the low price mm-hmm. right now are shaking mm-hmm. out a lot of the people that are super greedy, that would super commercialize it, yeah. and the people that are hanging on are the true enthusiasts. And so right. this process of Bitcoin's been going through right now is sort of a shaking out process a little bit. So if it does survive it, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it will be in a better position. And what's f- yeah. really cool about that is BitPay is one of the companies that if they can survive this storm will be one of the best positions, and it's super awesome to know they're running Linux. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, before we get to the news, wanted to plug one last time. Well, not really. <laughs> not until after Linux Fest. <laughs> uh, the meetup. Jupiter, Bro- Jupiter Broadcasting has a meetup group, guys. Did you know that? Actually, um, 112 of you do. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. It's not just for Linux Fest Northwest. We're also going to celebrate uh, Linux Unplugged, episode 100 in person if we can. That'll be organized through the meetup. Uh, all kinds of things. When we travel, I'm going to try to talk Noah into when he travels uh, like to different fests and stuff. He'll do meetups in your area. We'll announce it on the meetup page. I want to start doing more in-person interviews with you guys, too. Maybe we'll just have group discussions, and from time to time, those could end up in show segments on Unplugged or Tech Talk Today or maybe even last. And it'll be totally casual. You know, maybe sometimes we'll get drinks, sometimes we'll get food, sometimes we'll just hang out. We could even do events at the studio from time to time. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Go sign up there. And I think it's going to stick around now that we've got enough people. Uh, so I think this will be a long-term group. And you can get in for uh, the current events, like Linux Fest Northwest. We have 45 folks that are going, so and we'll uh, be posting updates as the event gets closer to that group. So if you want to be in the loop of what our plans are for Linux Fest Northwest... That's probably the best place to get updates because we'll eventually start posting them there. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. But with that all done, let's do the news. Hey, it's the news, and this episode is brought to you by... Ting.com. Go to last.ting.com to get $25 off your Ting service. Or if you have a Ting-compatible device, and you probably do... You get $25 of service credit. What is Ting? Oh, my gosh. Ting is mobile that makes sense. My mobile service provider and Noah's mobile service provider. I've been using Ting for over two years. Noah, do you know how long you've been using Ting now? Do you recall? Uh, since the, I'll tell you. I started using Ting the night that you – or the, the day – the last episode that you first talked about Ting. I was in bed. It was like 3 in the morning. I was trying to be quiet. My wife wasn't happy that I was watching last on, the, on our 42-inch television in our bedroom <laughs> while she's trying to sleep. But I said I was going to watch it anyway. So I'm watching and all of a sudden – I'm like, she looks over because I'm left the bed now and I'm on my computer. And she goes, 
what are you doing? And I'm like, he's talking about this thing and it's only $6 a month. It's way cheaper than our cell phone plan. I have to sign up. Now? Yes, right now? What of course. <laughs> and then I signed up right then and there. Boom. So go back and find the first episode. That's I signed weird. up for Ting. I've been happy with them ever well, since. That's probably almost two years at least. The last.ting.com, mm-hmm. you go there. Ting's got no contracts, no early termination fees. You only pay for what you use. And you heard Noah say it. It's a flat $6 for the line. So if you want multiple lines, you just pay $6. If you're a small business, think about how awesome that scales. I've got three lines for our business right now, and that is super convenient. It has really made the team that much more efficient, and I wouldn't be able to afford that at all. There's no way I could afford that monthly run if it wasn't for Ting. Ting is only pay for what you use to take your minutes, your messages, your megabytes. They add them all up at the end of the month, whatever bucket you fall into. That's all you got to pay. And if you're in a contract, and I know that sucks, especially if I don't, I'm two years in now. I've been two years contract free, and I've just been saving money the whole time. If you go to if you go to last.ting.com, click on that savings calculator. See how much you'd save if you broke out of your contract. It's pretty awesome. Last.ting.com. Also, no hold customer service is pretty great, and they have a fantastic fantastic dashboard and yeah i said no hold customer service it's pretty neat the way they get away with that is they have people who are truly enthusiastic about android and and to be honest i've because of that i've deferred to ting for their app picks and guess what kyra's here with an app pick this week take it away Looking kyra for an answer to the age-old question what's for dinner yes i'm kyra and this is the ting app of the week all the time actually Think of Yemli as the Wikipedia of recipes. Ooh. Pulling from the Yemli site, the app is filled with millions of recipes from popular food sites and blogs. There are also a ton of user-submitted recipes available. In other words, whatever you fancy, you'll probably find it here. Once you've signed up for the app, it personalizes itself to your taste based on social media or email accounts. Huh. Once that's finished, you'll be taken to the homepage, which displays a feed of recipes the app thinks you'll like. Oh yeah. Tapping on a recipe brings up cooking directions, nutritional information, and a full ingredient list. Ooh, slow cooker recipes. These ingredients can then be added to a handy in-app shopping list. Recipes can also be yummed, which will add them to your favorites. <laughs> if you're looking for a specific recipe, tap the search icon on the homepage and browse Yumly's database. Search terms can be as broad as Apple or as specific as Apple Brown Betty. And you can filter results to narrow in on exactly what you're looking for. Like every good food-related app, Yemly lets you define your dietary preferences, identify any food allergies, and even filter out ingredients you don't like. Hmm, nice. One thing to note is that you can't add your own recipe in the app at present. Doing that is confined to the Yemly site, but maybe we'll see that as an option in the future version. Yemly is free and available for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone. Thanks for watching. If you like this video, let us know by mashing the thumbs up icon below and subscribing. See you next week. Go to last.ting.com. Way to go, Kyra. That's a great app pick. I'm always having a hard time figuring out what the hell am I going to do for dinner. Uh, go check out Ting. They are mobile that makes sense. No strange items on your bill. The bills are super clear, really easy. One of the things I like about Ting, too, is they've they've built a real good system. So, uh, for example, I uh, I go into Ting Dashboard and I name all my devices. So that way I can just look at the, at the dashboard and say, okay, this device is using this many minutes, this much megabytes. But what Ting does is... When you do that name change, it's just like one tiny example of how cool their dashboard is. When you go into the Ting dashboard and you name a device, that name shows up everywhere throughout the Ting system now. So when I look on the app on my phone, when I'm, when I'm changing alerts and settings, everywhere now it represents my naming convention. It's really, really easy. And, and the reason why that is nice for me is when you start to have multiple lines, the numbers, I don't call the numbers very often. So I, I just, the phone numbers are not very helpful to me. You know, like, I, okay, yeah. that number is, I think maybe Rekai's number, I don't know. But putting the names on there, yeah, then the old man actually knows what's you, going on. You know what the latest name that I added to my dashboard is? Hmm. Home line. You yeah. know why I could add that? 
because it's doing my home line now. <laughs> I know that landlines are probably a thing of the past to most people, but my wife does a, a part-time thing where she does some uh, some um, billing coding, and th- they still do a transmit over like a modem dial-up thingy. So I have to have a, f- a phone thing that she can plug into and get the dial tone sure. to dial out. Well, yeah. Ting has a, a device, so we bought this thing, and now it runs my home phones. That's are great. on Ting. Check yeah, out this. It's great. It's awesome. Look at SM in the chat room says staying around forty dollars with two lines. Odyssey Westra. You guys recognize yeah. him from our Google Plus, right? You guys know Odyssey mm-hmm, Westra. Mm-hmm. $24 right now for his Ting bill. Yeah. You definitely save some money. Yeah. It's really cool. Last.ting.com. And a big thanks to Ting for sponsoring Linux Action Show. <laughs> hey, big shout out to our friends over at the Ubuntu Mate Project. Uh, they announced a hardware deal with a laptop vendor. Now, I, uh, I'm i not totally familiar with Entroware, but I think they've been around for about a year, uh, and they're currently shipping laptops with Ubuntu 14.04 or 14.10 or no OS at all, and starting in April, they'll be offering a Mate 15.04 when that releases, which I've been running the beta of, and it's been a really, really good release. I've been taking a look, too. Um, they have laptops that start at, like, th- uh, well, of course, this is this is in funny money, not U.S. dollars, but uh, <laughs> people love it when I say that. Uh, three seventy nine ninety nine. The Orion laptop powered by an Intel thirty five five Haswell processor, running at two point three gigahertz, four gigabytes of RAM, five hundred gigabyte, fifty four hundred RPM, and an Intel graphics. So I was digging around on their site, and they have a whole range of stuff, including a, a cool looking Cube Steam machine. No, I don't know if you saw that. It's kind of neat yeah. looking. Uh, and so I was looking at their different laptops here, and uh, the Proteus caught my attention. And uh, you can go in here and configure it as you like, or the Orion, which is probably the one most people will be grabbing to run Ubuntu Mate, uh, which actually looks like a pretty nice rig. Not totally thrilled about the Windows key I'm seeing on there, but maybe that's just the stock imagery. But uh, pretty soon, the Ubuntu Mate project will be shipping on hardware. This is a pretty important step for a Linux distribution, I think. We've been talking about this more and more on Linux Unplugged. And it seems like we're entering an era where if you're going to be a real uh, distro, like one of the high-end distros, you might need a hardware partnership. Is that crazy, Noah? Is that sustainable? Uh, here's the, the thing is, I like Ubuntu Mate. In fact, it is my, it is my second most I, – I travel with a certain amount of thumb drives in my backpack that I can pull out at any one given time and install it. And Ubuntu Mate has become my de facto distribution for a couple of things. Somebody who is looking for a more Windows-like experience, totally replace Cinnamon for me, totally replace things like Zorin OS for me. Um, And it has become my, this machine is older than like four years old. They're going to have a better experience on Ubuntu Mate. So I think it makes perfect sense that a, a hardware manufacturer, you know, they can get, they can, you can run, you can run lower powered hardware, or of course, if you put it on fast blazing hardware, it's going to run fast and blazingly fast, right? Mm-hmm. Mate, so, when I installed I, yeah, it on my rig upstairs, uh, when I installed, mm-hmm. I was blown away. Like I thought I would maybe notice a performance difference between GNOME 3 shell and uh, Mate. And, uh, it, it was every time I opened an application, every time a window opened, every time I did something in the UI, I noticed a difference every single time. Yeah. And, and I've been running 15.04 on two machines because I'm kind of excited about it. And um, every single time, I'm just super impressed. One of the new things in 15.04 that will be shipping on this hardware is uh, they've really doubled down on um, the 
the, the pre-designed layout selector. So you'll go into uh, Mate Tweak, and then you go mm-hmm. into Mate Tweak's uh, layout design, and there's there's new layout options that are really fantastic, and they can essentially replicate a Mac OS X environment, or they'll replicate a Windows mm-hmm. environment, or a KDE desktop, and it, uh, or desktops that you probably never even heard of before. And and what they're really doing is <laughs> it's really they're arranging the panels, or it's setting up a dock, or it's installing Plank, or it's doing all this stuff for you automatically to make it mm-hmm. match that look. It's still genuinely Mate. There's no way around that. But it, it right. represents the trappings of those desktops in a way that's laid out that will be familiar to you. And that is something, along with like one button comp is turning on and other things that they're adding to the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, integrated, the integration of folder colors is really sweet. So for Mac users that are used to be able to set labels on folders and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really nice. Uh, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I just, I'm glad that they have all those bells and whistles. That just isn't, that just isn't what lights a fire under me about, right. uh, about Matei. Nope, it just, it isn't what, the fact that I have this, I had these, we had these old think centers we'd pulled out of a, uh, out of a business and they were purchased back in 02 or 03, I think. So, I mean, they're old, old, old machines and we had them sitting around. They didn't want them. We were going to dispose of them. And so I had them sitting around and I thought, well, someday I'll figure something out to do with them. And I threw a bunch of Matei on there and it was like, I couldn't believe it. I I was sitting down. I'm like, this is a perfectly usable desktop. Yes, I had to swap out, swap it out for an SSD, um, but even even on a minuscule amounts of RAM, yeah. it can flew. I say it something? Was a totally usable experience. Can I say something? And I, I not say I'm not saying it's like it's this cut and dry. Mm-hmm. But my more recent experiences with Ubuntu Mate have really sort of made me rethink Unity in a big way. Like, I don't think yeah, Unity is yeah. a bad desktop. I like Unity a lot, but yeah. I feel like it was kind of a big mistake, and I feel like if they yeah. would have stayed on this trajectory, if mm-hmm. this, they were so onto something back then, and that's why mm-hmm. this works so well. Is they are recapturing what they were onto, and so while the bells and whistles don't do it for me, I think they're exactly the direction maybe Canonical would have taken it if they hadn't lost focus on that desktop, and that's why I like those bells and whistles because they're not overt in your face, right? They're not they're not shipping with Compiz on by default. But now Compass is one right. checkbox, right? They're not shipping it looking like a Mac by default. But if that's how you prefer to work, that's one click mm-hmm. away. And now you can work like that yeah. in a very classical environment. Uh, and I wonder if Canonical would have pursued some of these things. Uh, if yeah. we, we would look at Linux at this point as this bastion of, uh, yes, maybe a little boring, but it wouldn't be so controversial. It would be very fast, very stable, and that mm-hmm. would be selling a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, it's this is nothing new. This is what everyone was saying back in 2010, 2011, 2012, when when GNOME was making these changes and Ubuntu was making, and Canonical was making these changes. We all said, we like GNOME 2. Why don't we have GNOME 2? Where is GNOME 2? How do I get back to GNOME 2? We every, you know, and, and so, and then we have, I, for better or for worse, we have adopted two things like Unity. So one of the things that drives me nuts about Ubuntu and Tain, I brought this up to Wimpy, and they are going to fix it, not fix it, but change it, uh, is... I have gotten into a habit of launching my applications by hitting the meta key. I hit the meta key, <laughs> yes, the, the, yes. uh, the Windows key. Yeah. I type in Firefox, yeah. and I sit down at a bunch of Matei, yeah. and I'm like, Firefox, enter. Yeah. Why isn't Firefox Good news. Right? In 1504, the, the, the Matei menu yeah. uh, solves that. It's not perfect yet. In fact, sometimes I've found that it sometimes fails to grab focus. And so, well, actually, it's not technically right. true. It grabs focus, but it doesn't show up in front of your window. So you can hit the mm-hmm. meta key, start typing, and hit enter. And if you blind type and it launches the right thing, you're fine. Sometimes it bring, pulls yep. it up. But what they've done is they've forked the Mint menu, and it's nice. It's really nice. Yeah. So that is solved. He, he told in me they were changing it. Yeah, yeah, and that—that's it. That is my—that is the one thing that would—that—that that is the that's one not bad, thing no. that I would have. 
kept me from keeping from switching over to it and using it as a full time desktop. But now, the more I use, as I'm sorry, as a contractor, before we get too far off the news story, mm-hmm. uh, if you've been handing, if you've been deploying more Ubuntu Mate, are you mm-hmm. particularly more inclined to maybe just do this route now and say, here, buy this machine? No, I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. Ubuntu Mate is an amazing desktop, and they are totally worthwhile having on a desktop and. If I was if I was a if I was any sort of a systems manufacturer, I would make sure that I was offering Ubuntu Mate as a choice. That said, right now I still use I still use Ubuntu Mate for older hardware, and if it's a brand new machine, I'm still putting Unity on those machines. If only because that big dock on the left hand side makes it so easy for people to just go, I want Firefox, I click on Firefox. People know what Chrome looks like, and that's what they want. And it just makes it really easier for them to click on it. And for my applications, where yeah. I'm installing yeah. these things, that new layout manager it might just help. Works really well. Yeah, it yeah. works really well. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and mm-hmm. now that we've talked a lot about Ubuntu Mate, we're going to talk about GNOME 316 later in this show. But before we get to that, we should probably tip the hat to the Elementary OS project, which had a big release this weekend. The OS of Freya is now available for download. I think Web Update has the best summary, and uh, they were one of the quickest out of the gate with it. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Elementary OS, it's an Ubuntu-based Linux distribution. For Freya is based on 1404 LTS. Uh, it ships with its own desktop environment called Pantheon and its own customs applications for most part, or, uh, or I'll, I'll expand on that in a minute. Um, and uh, I actually have it installed here. Let me see if it's uh, still running. Looks like it went to sleep, but yes, it is still running. I have it running in a VM, uh, which is not really fair to the elementary project because uh, it really should, it really deserves its own dedicated hardware because you can see it's being a little cranky right now. But I did run it before the show, and it works. It is a remarkably good release. Uh, it's so good, in fact, that I'm going to follow up a little more in the show later uh, about uh, where I'm going to be deploying it. Yeah, and I'm even going to deploy the beta because I'm a crazy person, I guess. Right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why I'm doing that. but uh, So uh, uh, Freya has... Um, Refined a lot of things. Uh, I am uh, when when a distribution like this comes out, I, I think it is fair to talk about the eye candy. I think that's kind of the target of this mm-hmm. distribution. I don't think it's being shallow. A lot of times, you know, like oh, you shouldn't talk about the theming. Uh, in this case, I actually think that it's it's pretty significant. And I'll I'll see if I can get it launched uh, under boxes here again. Um, yeah, here we go. You know, one of the things that they've really worked on in this release, Noah, and it looks really, really, really well done, is the notifications. Uh-huh. The way the notifications yeah. sort of come into the system, the way they, they, sort of, they sort of fade roll in and then they fade out and you can click on them and take actions on them and, and they're mm-hmm. really, really, really well done. The notifications look super slick. All of the animations have been mm-hmm. refined. The title bar is really well done. I mean, these are all small things, but they really add up to an incredible experience. And, you know, you, you obviously recall that when we were out at scale, we had a chance to sit down with, uh, with the, the, um, the designers of Elementary OS, and, and I believe it was, um, it was Daniel, right, that we talked to? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And he was explaining to me how everyone, the, the people, oftentimes we get sidetracked in this idea that, we, that the developers, we have to empower the developers. Let's have the developers, 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 developers. And really, oftentimes what it takes to make a really polished, good-looking piece of software is not a developer, but a designer. Somebody who understands how to make things look nice. And that was never more clear to me than I remember I worked on this piece of software for a college, and they had these things called learning modules. And you click on the learning module, and I'm like, 
who came up with that idea? Why can't we call them classes? That's what they are. They are classes. Who came up with learning modules, right? Yeah, and right. so, and he would point out little tiny things that I would have never noticed. He rounded the corners, right? On the edge of the, on the edge of the, uh, on the edge of the Screen. desktop, the corners are rounded. So, and, it, and it looks amazing. And it's one of those things that I would never notice it because I'm just, it's just not my thing. But. Well, let me stop you there. I'm so glad before you go, before you dig idea. yourself into a hole too much, uh, I think it's, I think actually Linux distributions like uh, uh, elementary OS are, are in a unique position. I think a lot of times people will mm-hmm. say, hire more developers, develop more code, contribute, etc., etc. All that is extremely important. And of course, they're doing some of that. Uh, they talked about it. Uh, they've, they've donated about, or they've sent about $8,000 upstream. Um, the, the, the problem is, a lot of times with Linux and open source, so much is already written for you. Like, truly, when you're designing open source software, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. They've created so much that a lot of times it's that final 10% that needs to be done. And that 10% is a huge task. And that task is designing it and making it refined. Um, And I want to show you an example of that. Mm -hmm. So this is from the web update video. And they're showing how, uh, in this video here, they've and this isn't totally new, but you see notifications are now integrated from the terminal into the desktop environment. So when your task completes in the terminal, if it's not focused, you'll get a notification automatically about that. And I want you to see that notification animation if you're watching the video. It's 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 very well done. I'll give you another example of some just small refinements they've done to this terminal. This terminal has really nice live searching, really good tabs, things like that. But something else they've done. If you go on the web, and you copy a command that has sudo at the beginning of that command, and then you paste it into the terminal, they'll come up with a warning and say, are you sure you want to run this as root? Now, that's annoying for me. That's awesome. But that's awesome for a lot of end users. And a big critique that we often give, hey, don't just copy and paste commands off the web, guys. Don't just do Mm -hmm. that. Don't just run some command you find off a website. And that's one more little thing. It's, and, and, and the way they do it, it's really done. It's really well done because it's like, hey, warning. And it's a big red button. And if you want it to continue, you have to click a big red button. And I, so I, I don't know if you're watching that animation of the uh, notifications yeah. there, but it's yeah. super well done. I, actually, in the last security uh, certification I went through, they were actually demonstrating how you can copy. I can put a text in on a website that says sudo apt get update, but when I paste it in, it pastes sudo rm tac rf. Uh, Tack Y, <laughs> and 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 so and I'm not exact. I don't remember exactly how they did it, but there's a way to encode different text being copied onto a clipboard from what looks different from what you actually copy onto a website. Now check this out. No, so, here I found it right here. Okay, so here they're they're mm-hmm. taking a command from the web update site because it's a web update video. So they're going to do this mm-hmm. like add a, P, a PPA repository command. They paste it here in the terminal, uh-huh. and then boom. And then you see there's a big red paste anyways button. Yeah. And it says you're, this, that you're giving this command administrative access to your computer. And then right. also at every step of the way, very elegant transitions, animations, fade yeah. in, fade it out. Now, is that not going to work for everybody? Of course not. But you know what? It does kind of push buttons for me in a way because it makes it feel oh, like absolutely. a very well-designed system. It, I you like know, that. And this would f- this would fit very well on that computer that you don't use very often. But when you want to sit down to it, you don't want to beat it into submission. You just want it to work. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and we all have those kind of machines that we don't use terribly often, but we want them to work. And I think that, and that's, I have actually elementary installed right now on, uh, on, uh, there's a computer that is kind of the communal family computer that everyone kind of uses. And that's what I have on there. Um, just to kind of play with it and try it out. And, uh, so far I'm pretty impressed. I think it's, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a very, I think it's, I think it has a place. Yeah. 
Uh, and uh, we'll talk more about that in the show a little bit because uh, uh, you might hear a little bit more about its place. Now I want to get meta, and then we're going to move off of Elementary OS. But before we do that, I thought what was really interesting is how they released it. They generated some buzz. They did that thing that more and more people are doing where they have a countdown. And uh, uh, here's, a, here's a G Plus post that captured the last eight seconds of the countdown for those of you who didn't. Uh, so eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. One and then the whole page transitions and boom, and now what they did is they started with a keynote. Basically, it's kind of reminded me of a of an Apple style keynote where they where after the countdown it introduces to their hangout video where they're doing a presentation and I want to play a little bit of their introduction of the new release. And now I'm not saying they're ripping off Apple. In fact, in some ways this is a really great way to present information. But I want to play a little bit of you so you can see kind of you get a taste of what I'm talking about. But we're not here to talk about Luna today. We're here to show you what's next. And to do that, we have Daniel Ferre, the founder of Elementary. Thanks, Cassidy. So uh, I'm, really, I'm really excited about Luna. I'm really proud of it. Uh, it's been really successful, and I, and I think we're all really proud of it. Um, you know, it's, it was a pretty big step for us, and it, it took a while to do it. Uh, but uh, so... Like Cass said, we're not we're not here to talk about Luna. Uh, I want to talk about the next big thing, which is Freya. Now, uh, one of the goals that we have internally for for a new release is as we look at the last release, and we say the new release should make the last one kind of look bad. Like we need to improve upon it so much that you look back and you can really see the difference. All right, so that was one part. Now I want to jump ahead just a little bit, and they do a really good job of showing the differences. Here's what it used to look like, and here's what it looks like now. And and I actually thought they did an extreme. What it, it is rehearsed and canned, but at the same time, it really helps you wrap your head around some of the stuff they've been working on. It no longer feels like oh they just did a quick update. No, it feels like they really worked on some stuff. I hand it over to Ob. So now watch this. Tell Thanks, me if this Dan. this kind of feels again like an Apple keynote right here. Yeah, in Freya, we've got a ton of great new features, and I just want to talk about a lot of the um, under the hood and over the hood features that you can expect. Um, really across the board throughout your elementary experience. So in Freya, we've totally redesigned our notification system to make notifications smarter and more beautiful than ever. In Luna, notifications just kind of told you what's up, but you couldn't really interact with them. Now, notifications are actionable and dismissible. So when you get a notification about a new email, you can just click it and start reading that specific email right away. It'll open your email client. And he goes and on and talks about each feature, kind of inter- individually introducing each feature, just like Apple does when they're doing a new release of OS X. What do you think of this approach? Uh, I think it's, you know, I think it, it's, it's nice. It's, I, the reality is no matter how somebody presents something to me, that means that that accounts for less than ten percent of it. The other ninety percent is after I install it on my machine and yeah. I try it. I'll tell you what I think of it. I, I kind of, that's I, kind of a, I kind of fundamentally disagree in in a, in a sense that uh, I think what they do is even if it's semi-successful, is they are setting what we talk about. They are setting the tone. They are setting the expectation yeah. in a sense. Like uh, honestly, before I watched their hangout, I was like, "What's really different?" When I watched mm-hmm. that, I was like, hmm, they've actually put some serious thought into this. Uh, what yeah, they end yeah. up doing is they, they, are, they start the conversation at a certain point, right? They, mm-hmm. they are controlling the beginning of that conversation. Where it goes after that happens after you install it. But it begins to set this expectation for the community. We know what's different. Um, it's kind of a neat approach. It needs to be more dynamic, more lively. Hangouts mm-hmm. are not the best medium for any of these kinds of things. Anytime I ever watch anything right. over Hangouts, I'm always like, oh... 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you know what? It works. It works in getting the word out there. It does feel, and they probably wouldn't like me saying this, but it feels a bit derivative. But derivative in the sense that Amazon has copied that same presentation style. Samsung, Google, and Microsoft have all copied presentation styles like that. So everybody Mm -hmm. in the industry is derivative from that style a little bit. So the fact that they're being derivative, in a way, I think, again, elementary OS continues to show that they are running a really grand experiment in the Linux ecosystem. Is there a place Mm -hmm. for an uber-designed, maybe slightly pretentious, uh, very well-controlled, me- very message distribution that doesn't right. have the latest packages but has maybe more thought put into the smallest thing than any other distribution. Is there truly a place for that in the crazy code, um, mm-hmm. neck beard, uh, internet lifestyle mm-hmm. that we all live in using Linux? Is there a place for elementary OS? I don't know. I think what they're attempting, though, they're really, they're really doing a great job. They are really going all in on this type of approach to the best of their ability. Yeah. I, you know, and here's the thing. I try to, for the most part, stay, look at the, concentrate on the positive aspects of all Linux projects, right? I don't care what you're doing. If you're doing a free and open source Linux project, then I want you to succeed. And, and there's no reason to tear people down. That said, um, since we're concentrating, it's, it's almost, I think we're concentrating so heavily on the positives. We might be brushing over, you know, a couple of the track, detractors and take just a couple moments and talk about those. I still have an issue with the, the way they, they go about their funding. I still, I have some concerns about that. And the other thing is, I still have some concerns about their uh, their willingness, willingness, ability, and and you know to contribute back upstream because they it's a very polished distribution. There's no doubt about it, and it looks great, but it's built on Ubuntu, right? And so Canonical, they have a lot of they they owe a lot of thanks to the developers and the hard workers of Canonical to make. Uh, elementary well, OS. So let me play. Without Ubuntu, me, no, I don't know if this no is the right OS. spot, but let me play this section. This may or may not be it. Paid out over uh, $8,000 to developers to work on open source projects. And there's actually still $6,400 in bounties available. And we're adding to that quite frequently. We've helped fund upstream projects like Inkscape and GNOME projects like GTK because we want to make the tools that we use better for everyone. We were also able to attend Scale and West Coast, Gnome West Coast, to talk about and uh, collaborate with other open source projects. And within just within the last month, we've been able to bring on two new employees to de- dedicate their time to elementary OS. I would consider all of those things giving to open source. Even even if it's employing somebody to just generate yeah. code that is open, that's giving to open source. Yeah. So yeah. I agree. They have. I mean, they they are not beyond criticism, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I try to also be cognizant of the fact that they are evolving very quickly. They're changing very quickly, and they they are as they hit a new plateau. They try to they get to that point. They try to figure out okay, how are we going to make this sustainable. And then, you know, people mm-hmm. I mean, people make you know people just make mistakes. I I don't know. I I'm not switching to it myself. I'm not advocating yeah. everybody switch to it, but I I am advocating we give them a space to experiment. I think. I agree. I, I agree. And the, and at the end of the day, if I had to take my if I had to pick one side or the other. I'm rooting for elementary OS, if only because they're, the more free and open source projects that we have, regardless of the shortcomings, the better everything else is. Because we all have to then compete you know, to, 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 yeah. to make things a little bit better. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, yeah. we're always going to come out and you ahead. Know what? And it's important. 
I th- I'm sorry, but to the comp- competition thing, I think Pantheon is going to give some serious mm-hmm. competition to Gnome 3. It's Gnome 3 done mm-hmm. better at this point. It, it really is. And uh, I'm sticking mm-hmm. with Gnome 3 because there's, there's more possibilities and more flexibility with Gnome 3. And I think the long-term trajectory for somebody like me is better with Gnome 3. But when I was, I was using uh, Freya over the weekend... Uh, or actually just yesterday, and uh, I was, I, there were several moments where I was like, oh, I wish this was how Gnome did it. There's some things where I'm, mm-hmm. I like better under Gnome for sure, but I, I think just if nothing else, Noah, they're going to give competition amongst open source projects to make their stuff more usable. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that it takes off. I'm hoping that, you know, that and, and they do. They have a niche. They definitely cater to a niche. Uh, they cater to a very specific set of people, people that want a very polished, yeah. reliable system. And honestly, and there are days, Chris, there are days that I roll out of bed and that's exactly what I want. It's, I think Not it's more than that. I think they appeal to people with taste, with a strong sense of taste, mm-hmm. with people, where people that they look at something that isn't designed right and it drives them crazy. They cannot stop looking at it. And I am close to one of those people, but I can back away from it. Mm-hmm. But I believe there is a class of people out there that that just that, like it's OCD or something. It's something. It's like it's too distracting. It's it's such a subjective thing, though, because I I can find, and I know you're going to disagree with this. In fact, the entire chat room is going to disagree with this. But honestly, I cannot find any design fault, at least from an aesthetic standpoint, of Ubuntu Unity. It seems to work and look really? just fine. Have you to me. seen that menu yeah, bar along really. the top? Have you seen that settings menu? Have you seen that? Yeah, and you have know you what? seen I how they have arbitrary blurring in some bar. spots and not blurring in other spots? Uh, the system, no, actually, you know what? The system panel looks that. like it's GTK two from the nineties. So you not have you not noticed no, any of these things? No, I haven't noticed that. And maybe this makes me ignorant or dumb, or uh, <laughs> but no, I haven't noticed that. I haven't. It, 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 it has never stood out to me. I sit down and I look at it. and I'm like, wow, there's my desktop. I have a clock. I have a calendar. I have a way to launch my applications. What more did you know? What and it's and and and, and this may just be that I am not the kind of person that they cater to, and that might be exemplified by yeah. the fact that you took one look at my laptop and you're like, how can you stand this thing? This thing is ridiculous. The screen is garbage. Your fonts are crap. And I'm like. <laughs> I can read my fonts. They have English, C. They have letters A through Z, 0 through 9. They are there. My screen, I can see the pictures. In fact, it's working better than your TV that you just bought that we can't watch the football game on. So, I I mean, I I just don't notice those things, right? Like, they don't stand out to me until you point them out or somebody else points them out. And then I'm like, well, yeah, I guess the fonts are a little rough around the edges. But I didn't notice. Yeah, yeah, well, all right. Uh, Let's move on. Valve did something kind of cool. Uh, they're giving out more games. Uh, uh, you know, they did this to the Debian developers. Uh, I don't know if this really counts as giving upstream, but I think Valve would like us all to feel like this is Valve giving upstream in a way. Uh, they're happy to say that they're giving out games to the Mesa developers, or Mesa, I don't know, however you say it. Uh, you just have to have had 25 commits or more to the Mesa project in the last five years. You drop an email to, the, to Daniel, who's responsible for it. He's, I'll link to his email. And you're going to get uh, access to every Valve game ever created. Just for free, for being awesome yeah. and helping with Linux graphics. So that's how cool Valve is. Just a quick update. Uh, one more quick update. Uh, GNOME 3.16 uh, has hit a lot of distros. We talked about it being on OpenSUSE last week, uh, Tumbleweed. This week uh, hit my Archbox. Producer Rotten Corpse has a blog post up about some of the extensions that he's been watching that have been updated. I'm running it right here. I've been running it uh, all weekend, and uh, I'm loving it. I really, 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 really super love the new notification systems in the calendar drop-down. You can see I have two right here. No more, uh, no more tucking this down. And Noah, check this out. This is one thing I didn't grok in all of the pre-gnome uh, coverage. Is, you know, like mm-hmm. the top icons and all the little icons it usually hides down here in the tray? Mm-hmm. Do you know where those go now? I don't. Do you want to know something embarrassing? What? I have not. 
actually installed GNOME.3.16, well, and my no, wife has new. because she oh, has Arch. Yeah, and she's I, on Arch. Yeah. <laughs> isn't that terrible? How embarrassing is that? <laughs> that's great. No, that's great. I love that your Arch, your wife is on Arch, and you're on like I don't know Fedora. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I'm, so, on, I'm on that old LTS crap. <laughs> so look at this. They tuck away right down here in this little this little tag right here. All of your lower icons. They're all just down here in the corner whenever you need that. them. And it's I really like it, and it's you can you can easily reliably right click on the icons now, and it's accurate and doesn't mm-hmm. automatically hide them away. It's way way better. And when you so is that tr- is that tray at the bottom gone? Yeah, or is that still there? No, it's gone. Okay, it's gone. I'm doing I, I'm doing Meta really M right now, and Meta M now okay. brings up the notifications. See, that made no sense to me. I never understood why we ha- why yeah, did we split them up on top and on the bottom, and then and then half the people don't even know how to get that stupid drawer to open it. and i ask him i'm like how do you get that open they're like i phone on the bottom of the screen until it magically pops up mm-hmm. like really yeah really well That's the idea was the really? idea was we were all going to be you know flipping up with our fingers constantly and you know ironically i end up with a touch screen and it doing that doesn't work mm-hmm. so uh and then just, you know what i can't stand i can't stand finger smudgy all over my computer screen so there's that so, yes, this extension system monitor is gone, but there is a better one that goes up in the top anyways. Uh, I want one, There's lots of coverage of GNOME 316. You don't need me to tell you all about it. But one more thing that really got me excited about GNOME 316 that I didn't see a lot of other coverage about, if you have GNOME Tweak installed, which, of course, you do. You're not an animal, right? Uh, if you have GNOME Tweak installed and you have the extensions here, you can now update the extensions directly in GNOME Tweak. So, like, here's my top icons extension, which I don't need anymore. Instead of having a remove button, I now have an update button. So I don't have to go to the extension site anymore. And that's nice since it doesn't work in Chrome. Uh, and uh, as the update, so I just checked this after I installed GNOME 316. I just went down, update, 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 and it got all my uh, updates in. So that's, I didn't see that in the pre-GNOME launch coverage either, but that's something. And also uh, I have, at least in my activities overview, a small font change. My fonts are slightly uh, uh, better. Uh, the fonts look a little better, cleaner in the uh, launch overview. So GNOME 3.16 is, I think, solidly the best GNOME release ever. And I've been saying that now since about GNOME 3.12. It's, they've been getting better yeah. and better every single time. This is a good problem to have. It's a good problem when, when you and I go from the story of Ubuntu Mate to being like, this is the best top desktop on Linux ever, to Elementary OS, this is the best desktop on Linux ever, to GNOME, this is the best. If, if that happens, if we continue to do that, we just continue to drive up the ante and everything seems to get a little bit better and a mm-hmm. little bit better. And even mm-hmm. though we didn't talk about it, Ubuntu has a solid, uh, Unity has a solid rank in there, even though nobody else in the chat room probably likes Unity. No, I actually think Unity's not bad either. I, I honestly yeah. I could live in Everyone complains Unity. about it, though. Yeah. You remember we did the poll in Linux Unplugged and it was like the least favorite desktop? And Alex, who knows nothing about desktops, is sitting across from me and goes, the heck is Unity? I'm like, it's the default thing that came on your laptop. Oh, that thing that we got rid of before I had the activities thing? Yeah, that one. Yeah, I hate that thing. It sucks. So it <laughs> seems to be universally hated, but I like it. I actually do. I get, al- I get along with it okay. And last story, Intel Compute Stick. We talked about it a while ago. It's supposed to be like 75 bucks, but it's going to be 110 bucks with Linux. Uh, Linux is, uh, of course, the one you're going to be running on it. Newegg is selling it for $110. It comes with Ubuntu 14.04. Uh, and uh, it was supposed to be $89, sorry. But here's what you get in a stick, like a Chromecast-sized stick, an Intel Atom quad-core processor, x86 quad-core processor, 2 gigabytes of RAM, 32 gigabytes of storage, 802.11 BGN, and uh, you obviously would plug it directly into a monitor. And it has a mini USB port for power, and then it also has uh, a full-size USB port and Bluetooth 4.0 for connecting Mouse and keyboard. This stick computers are happening, Noah. $110 mm-hmm. for an Intel stick preloaded with Linux. You just supply the monitor. 
I don't know if this is my favorite story because it's yet another vote of confidence for the Linux desktop or that it's going to the Linux sales are going to crush the Windows sales or that it's the amount of things that I, I you know, it's funny in my mind, I have purchased like 15 of these because <laughs> I already have them planned out like what I'm going to do with all of them. one of the things that seems like it would make a great box. It's a Cody box. I really want to po- open elect on one of those yeah. and stick it in the back of my TV yeah. and that will be my open I elect dig, box. But th- I dig x86 for a, for a thing this size. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. There are so many small little one-off apps that I need to run in different places that I have way, way, way too much money in computer invested, and yeah. this will totally fit the bill. In fact, I have a particular client in mind where all they do is open a web browser and run a lot of their software in there, and right now we have the we had them on Dells, and I was going to switch them to the Nooks the next time around. Now I'm thinking I know, I throw right? these I in know, the back right? of the monitor, yep. and they probably have some way of powering them off the monitor. That's going to be a good solution. A lot solution, of monitors have man. USB ports. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. just yeah, I know this. This is like the now like the alternative to the NUC even. Uh, and you know what I was thinking from a production standpoint is you could really just hang one of these right off the back of a capture port. You exactly. just plug this into the capture port, exactly. and that's your visuals computer, right? Or have like five of them, yes. and then you can put like a different Skype or Jitsi yes. on each one or something. This is uh-huh. the new way to have multiple Skype machines, so each person can have their yeah. own individual. Oh, I wonder. Right? And yeah, and they look. See, you've done the same thing. Now you've just bought like seven of them <laughs> in your mind. They haven't even released them yet, and they've already sold like a bunch of them. I can't wait. <laughs> All yeah. right, no. Well, uh, so there you go. We'll have links to everything we talked about in the show notes. If you want to contribute to the news section, and we'd love that, you can submit links to linuxactionshow.reddit.com and just voting them up and down or supplying comments also helps. But that is all the news for this week. It's time to take on a new adventure on The Big Show, chronicling the switch of users to Linux, the problems and the things they really love after they switch. And I think we're going to have a good mix of both. Today we're going to talk to Jonathan, who just recently switched to Linux, and Noah got a chance to break. Noah actually brought him over to his house and said, so tell me, how has the switch been going? And it's a very real conversation. It's really great. We're about to get into that. And then towards the end of the segment, I have a big announcement that I'll be making. I'm really excited. But first, I want to tell you about our segment sponsor that's making this possible. That's System76, creators of Machines Design. To run Linux. If you say it like that, it sounds even better. I think they should take it and they, you know what, like, you know, they have it, they had a Yahoo guy. I could be like the board to run Linux guy. No? Well, all right, even if that's not selling you, go check out System76. They got that brand new Lemur. Am I saying that right, Noah? You're going to become the official pronunciator. Am I saying that right? Lemur. Lemur. The Lemur laptop. The little f- starting at $5.99. animal. Yeah, starting at $5.99. And it is an adorable package. Uh, and also, the new champion, the Meerkat. Which is a great value. And then when you get the System76 support, that lifetime Ubuntu support, and of course you're contributing to that local Linux ecosystem. System76.com. Go get yourself a machine designed for Linux. That way you don't have to fight with hardware problems or little nagles when you have to reload. When you reload, it just works really nice and easy. And you just get to play with your Linux. System76.com. And tell them, won't you? The Linux Action Show uh, sent you. Okay, so Noah had a chance to sit down with Jonathan, and uh, they had a frank discussion about Jonathan's switch to Linux. I'm going to go ahead and play it now. Uh, unless, Noah, is there any setup we need to do before we roll, or should we just go and we'll chat afterwards? No, it's just, it might be slightly inaccurate to say I sat down with Jonathan. Really, I sat down with three different people, yes. and we talked about Linux. Two of those will make it onto the air this week. Or, I'm sorry, one of those will make it onto the air this week. Two of those will not make it onto the air this week. 
thanks to production problems. Yes, as that sometimes goes. But it turns out uh, we actually are able to make lemonade out of that situation because with Linux yeah. Fest coming up and the announcement I have to make, uh, we're going to have a, we're going to have a series of episodes on this, and it's going to be really cool. So we'll so Jonathan becomes uh, our beginner, our first introduction to the series. So we'll take it with Jonathan. So I'm Jonathan Waterman, and um, <clears throat> I uh, I've always used Windows, Mac. Um, I use iPhones, iPads. Um, was hoping for an Apple Watch, but we're not going to talk about that. Anyway, um, I generally uh, I do lots of gaming, you know, lots of console gaming. I'm trying to get into com- PC gaming or I guess Linux gaming now. Um, and uh, you know, I do social networking, and I don't really do that a lot on um, on a uh, on a computer because I just do that on my phone. But um, try to do online uh, online marketing, a little bit of um, uh, video editing, hopefully, and some writing. So, what got you switched to Linux to begin with? Um, knowing that I could do um, the same stuff with less problems, less bloatware, and I can choose exactly what goes on my computer. And um, you know, there's there's certain perks. I mean, like, and it's it's really it's actually quite similar to 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 Mac OS or Windows. Sometimes even more simple if you understand how to use it. I mean, searching for stuff on your computer is like you hit one button and type in what you want and it's there. So as long as you have it installed. I mean, the installation process is a little more different, but like once you figure it out, it's really, really easy. And when the first time that you went through it, um, I didn't really give you a lot of guidance. You just you kind of went on that on your own, right? Yeah. What did you think about it? Well, it was, it was different and it took me a few hours actually because the first time I did it was... Uh, I was trying to figure out how to play games on a computer that was not designed to play games. It didn't have a really good graphics card. So I, but there were no drivers installed uh, for the NVIDIA card that was on it. So I, um, I tried installing drivers. I installed too many drivers, which caused the computer to crash completely, shut off the GUI altogether. And I had to figure out, one, what the problem was, and two, um, how to remove the problem so that everything would go back the way it was. And it turned it out, like I said, it was two drivers installed at the same time and it was trying to run both drivers at the same time. So I had to uninstall one from the uh, from the uh, terminal um, at the boot and um, uh, <clears throat> and then reinstall the correct ones because I had to like completely format the drivers. Okay, and what what is your computer now? What are you using Linux now on? I'm using Linux now um, on a laptop and a desktop. The laptop is more specifically just for school-related purposes if I need to go somewhere mm-hmm. or if I'm uh, helping uh, helping out AltaSpeed with um, like a networking problem mm-hmm. that's a little bit more movable. And then mm-hmm. I got a desktop, which I do gaming and all my other stuff. It's like my speed computer, my sit-down-and-enjoy and, and what, what is the experience on the desktop like? It's fluent, ridiculously fast. I mean, you know, I I got a nice processor in it, but I don't even think it would, even if the processor wasn't as fast as it is, I bet I would still get the same response just due to the lack of bloatware that's mm-hmm. installed um, when you do it. I mean, you get literally to choose everything you put on there, so... Mm-hmm. So what what things are you using? That, what, what things are you using your desktop for? Um, I haven't been able to have the time to install as much as I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to. Um, I'm trying to port uh, games that 
at this very moment can only run on Windows mm-hmm. and put them on uh, put them on Linux. I'm going to try to learn how to use Wine so that maybe I can start doing that myself instead of relying on other people's bullcrap because not all this stuff always works. And then it's just a pain in my butt. And then I was like, oh, wow, I just wasted eight hours downloading that because it was 45 gigabytes. And I mean, although I've got a fast internet connection, which I do notice on the computer, um, it, it, yeah. Anyway, so, and I can do that all on Linux, which is a little more difficult to do on a Mac or especially on a Windows computer, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You came, because, so the cool thing about you is you have experience on every platform. You have experience on yeah. iOS, you have experience on Android, you have experience on Windows, you have experience on Mac. So, um, what things do you like about Linux over all of the rest of those platforms? Um, I like, you know, and this this might sound a little controversial, but Linux and Mac, actually, Mac uh, has always been kind of my favorite OS, mm-hmm. and Linux is very, very similar to um, to Mac OS. Yeah. But the nice thing about Linux is it brings some of the cool things that Windows has mm-hmm. and some of the really cool things that Mac has and, like, takes them together, puts them together, but, like, they don't have them... At the same time, Mac doesn't have the same really cool things that Windows has, and Windows doesn't have the really cool things that Mac has. And Linux kind of has both of them together, and then adds total customizability where you can't customize well as much or as easily yeah. Mac OS or Windows. Actually, you can't customize Windows, in my opinion. Yeah, it's no. very frustrating. <laughs> so um, I I know that you uh, you have your phone. I know that you were yeah. pretty excited to talk about uh, the the S six, right? Yeah, so I actually, um, I kind of have the lags, latest and greatest syndrome, so I kind of always get the new phone when it comes out. I was very disappointed with the Samsung Galaxy S5 because um, I just like ran into problems, and that was the exact opposite that I heard about Samsung products was the reliability, and I was like, okay, only pro- only other product I know that has that are iPhones that have had, you mean, that you can actually own for two years, and they won't, they won't go to crap like I've seen with Motorola smartphones no mm-hmm. offense to Motorola but it's just a fact of life so um, and um, but this time I was uh, you know and I was really debating because I wasn't sure due to my negative experience the first time with Samsung and um, I've never had anything against really Android it was just you know it's a different operating system and there's a couple things that are a little more difficult to learn or understand in my opinion than just going straight to iOS where it has literally everything just set out for you it's all like on the home screen your calls your messages I mean everything and you can set that not that you can't set that up on Android but it might be a little more difficult for somebody who's not as tech savvy to figure that out me personally I find that a lot of fun um and then the customizability obviously you get that totally with Android but um the edge and the gear uh, caught my eye because it was like, this is totally different. This is not anything. Apple doesn't have anything like this. Mm-hmm. It's got wireless charging. It's got a 4K display. It's got the fastest processor in the world. So, I mean, you know, why not? Yeah. So, so tell me about what what your um, tell me about what you what the hardware that you had two weeks or uh, two months ago as compared to the hardware that you have today? Well, the hardware that I had two months ago, not only could it not um, run the stuff that I wanted it to... I, I guess maybe I should clarify. Well, yeah, clarify. Yeah, tell me, tell me the difference about like the computer and the phone that you were using two months ago versus okay. the computer and the phone that... So the computer that I was using two months ago was running Windows, uh, bloatware through the roof, 
Um, I literally, it took, I'm not kidding, about five minutes to boot up from getting to the login screen to entering the password and literally booting everything up to where I could actually start to do stuff on it. Um, my iPhone, um, that, I'm, I still like iPhones, and I don't think that's ever going to change, but, I mean, in terms of how much stuff I can do at one time, that that changed. I can have four things running on this phone right now and not experience any lag whatsoever in any of the applications that I'm running versus an iPhone where I could do that with two, but when you start to do three, four, you can see there's a little bit of response time. And although it's not a lot of response time, there is still there. And I mean, that probably has to do with the absolutely phenomenal processor in the phone. And then the gear... Well, I got a discount with it because I got this very incredible phone. Um, but it's a little different than the Apple Watch that is soon to be coming out, which you're now going to have to wait till June to get. As of today, it might be July. Now today, because I guess today technically is the 12th, but whatever. Um, and um, <clears throat> technically speaking, you can do more with this phone, this watch, than you can with the Apple Watch, or at least that we know about. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you want to add about Linux or using Linux? Um, yeah, it's fun learning how to use the special key phrases and code phrases to install stuff because you can pretty much do apt get install whatever name or title you can think of, and it will just take you. It'll just install it, yeah. and it, like no searching on Google anymore to figure out. Oh yeah, well. What is this thing called? If you know the name, you literally just have to type it into the terminal and it will do everything for you. That's the only other cool thing I can think of, really. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That's actually, I did not expect that as an answer, and that's actually a really great answer. So the cool thing about Jonathan is when I met him, he was he had an iMac that he was doing his videos on. He had a, he had a Windows computer that he purchased from a thrift shop. And he had an iPhone and an iPad. So he was very, very locked <laughs> down into these devices that, that were they, – they gave him an experience, right? And he thought, I know I want Windows for gaming and I know I want Mac because I can get my work done and I know I want these – and then the more I would talk to him and I would show him and I, you know, you know, I can give you kind of, kind of a kind of a jerk sometimes. I'll be like, Maybe well, a bit you persistent. can't do this on your iPhone, can you? Can you do that, right? And then you know, it started to click and then he goes, oh, oh wow. And then he um, – and then he got his S6, and you know that, that was really cool. But we sat down, and he goes, all right. So he goes, I've looked at Linux, and he goes, the only thing I can't do is I can't do video editing. Can you help me? So, of course, I pointed him to the end-all, be-all video editor, and he gave Lightworks a shot and was like, yeah, this totally blows Final Cut and Adobe, After, or, uh, Adobe Premiere out of the water. And so he, uh, he sat down, he got really comfortable with it, and he goes, so how much is this going to cost me? And I'm like, nothing, dude. It's not going to cost you anything. Like, you can download the free version. So he goes, will you help me build a computer? I said, of course I will. So we, we sat and we, we put the the entire machine together and i didn't give him any direction i had he said he wanted to do it so i handed him a usb thumbstick with ubuntu <clears throat> 1404 on it mm -hmm. and he did everything else like and he, he put was it installing in he, on a uh, dell d620 right originally when he was talking about the problems that he had with yeah. where he had these the problem with the yeah. graphics driver that yeah. was on a dell d620 okay. that i'd given him so then uh, he and changed, that was not a good experience then he changed that to was the a bad experience yeah 
desktop was great. That's when he went through the ins- I had done the installation on the 620 for him. I just I didn't put the proprietary graphics cards because I didn't realize he was going to try and game on a 620 with two gigs of RAM. <laughs> but uh, when but we got him a decent desktop built, and uh, and once he installed, it was amazing because I watched. For, this is the first time I've ever seen anyone inst- uh, a new user install Ubuntu. I've never done that ah, before. I've always done do that for them. them. Yeah. And he wanted to do it. And I said, yeah, that's cool. So I sat back and, and he would click on something and he would go and he would say. Uh, it wants me to encrypt my drive. It, what does encrypt mean? And I said, well, it means it's going to you know, make a password before you can open it up. And he goes, I like a password before I log in. And so then he puts it, and then he goes, well, what's this password field? And I said, that's the password when you log in. Well, what's the other one? Then you know, we had a brief description on encryption. He would think about it for a minute. No, I don't want encryption, but I do want it. Right. And it was just right. interesting to watch somebody who has never yeah. installed an operating system Never considered system these things, yeah. Right, and he, he went through an Ubuntu installer yeah. perfectly, and then he got Steam going. And, and so a, it, couple of things, a couple of things jumped out at me about his traits. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> did I, so as we do this, I, I kind of want to jump out, like for the people that are having success, like what, what do I think are maybe like dri- what's driving some of that success, what's making the switch work for them? And one of the things that he said that really struck me, uh, and it came mm-hmm. up a couple of times, is obviously he has, a, he has a tenacity and willingness to learn. Like he ended the clip there saying right. that it's fun learning the command line. And he yeah. likes app. It's not scary to him. Like, he thinks yeah. that's a perk. So that that's awesome. But that, you mm-hmm. can't expect that from everybody. But one thing that right. did jump out at me is I, an element to him that made Linux um, appealing was, he's he, in his words, he's taking control. He's not waiting around yeah. for games to be ported. He doesn't have to wait on everyone else's bullcrap, as he puts it. If he wants right. to download Wine yeah. and start seeing how things work, he can start poking at that. And I think he likes to tweak. That is, for a user, that's sort of like a, wait a minute. I've just been way more empowered than I've ever been before. I don't have to wait yeah. around for everybody else to figure their crap out. If you know, mm-hmm. and if we, if you know people that are like that, that they might be a good Linux candidate. Um, also, I thought it was interesting, and maybe this is a good way to pitch when somebody says, "Well, what's Linux?" And you know, he what he said, and this is maybe a great pitch for it for somebody that's just totally new to Linux. Linux has uh-huh. the best of both Windows and Mac in one, but allows for ultimate customization as well. That's yeah. how he described it. And I thought that's right. a brilliant way to describe it to a to like a, when you know when we had Chase try to switch to Linux. He's a you know he's a longtime Windows sysadmin. He's a big power user. And one of the things he right. felt was is Linux is is it's, it's this huge like uh, landscape. And all I know about yeah. it is it, it it's once I grab onto something, I can just do anything I want with it. I can customize it any way I want. And that was really appealing to him. That was what like he that mm-hmm. was the thing he'd heard about. He really knew it was like this yeah. big thing. But once you get in there, I can totally customize it. Uh, I thought that yeah. was really great. Um, he also likes the latest and greatest. Obviously, he has the S6 mm-hmm. Edge there, and he had a gear watch on, and uh, there's no doubt about it. Linux is constantly getting updated. Linux software is always the latest and often, like GNOME 316, the greatest. Uh, and right. so you can, you can also pitch it on that. Um, and he several times mentioned loving to tweak and customize the UI applications. Yes. So, and that's a, I think there's a lot of people out there that have grown up on Windows for a long time, and they're just sick and tired mm-hmm. of that play block that play box that, absolutely it's just that yep. playground's gotten old and they want to go somewhere where they can build their own playground and that play box gets smaller mind you because windows 98 windows me windows 2000 was a drastically different beast before we hit the xp era i could install 2000 as many times as i wanted with no hindrance when i hit xp and we started having this oh, yeah, software that, that calls home mm-hmm. now we have this additional problem this additional roadblock and if you are a student and you don't have a lot of money jonathan is in high school okay he doesn't have he works at wendy's flipping burgers for you know a couple bucks an hour and then he helps us run cable and stuff like that but he does not he does not have uh, you know a lot of expendable income so to somebody like him, if he wants to play with this stuff, if he wants the latest version of Ubuntu, guess what? He goes to Ubuntu.com and he downloads it. Yeah. And now he has it. Yeah. As That's compared to Windows, where yeah. he's paying two or three hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. 
That's pretty good. And, so, you know, and then if he wants to, if he wants to blow it all on an S six, he can because he's not mm-hmm. blown it all on you know Windows, whatever. And I, I think it's pretty cool. I think Jonathan was a good find, and so uh, we should follow up with him in the future and see how it's going. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe yeah. post Linux test or something. And uh, right. Uh, all right. So, is there any other notes you want to touch on from that? Right. So, uh, not specifically on that, but I mm-hmm. did have a chance to interview a couple other people, and the 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 one of the interviews that I didn't quite get. Maybe we'll get it in the future. Okay. Was a call was a college girl and the, what was interesting about her experience is she approached things very differently than the way Jonathan did. Oh yeah. Jonathan very much wanted to learn about the, how the computer worked. He wanted he wanted to do everything himself, right? Um the the um the young woman I I I interviewed before that, she had a different approach. She was a college student, but she just wants to get her college work done. She didn't care how the computer worked, she just needed it to work. And what was interesting about her case was we installed Ubuntu for her and she uh, she never saw a reason to leave Ubuntu. There was never a reason to to get back off of it because once she figured out how to get into the workflow of Ubuntu, she could do all the things she wanted to do. Mm. Most of them happened in a web browser and the rest yeah. of them happened in an office suite and she saw no reason. She's and like, I think there are a disproportionate amount of users oh, yeah. that fit that category. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to I'm say, sorry, uh, I wanted to mm-hmm. talk about, I want to talk about uh, next weekend, but do you have any other, touch, any other notes on that? No? Yeah, I, I, if, I just have a couple more things to yeah. Yeah, for switching, if that's okay. I'm just excited. So, Go ahead. Yeah, so a couple things that – so kind of the workflow I go through is I, I always start by asking people to, uh, to be – you know, what they do on their computer. You need to be a student of your users, and if you're not, mm. you will fail at trying to, to switch people to Linux. If you, if you don't listen to them first, yeah. if you just go in there with all the answers, I know everything, right. okay, that is the first that's, – that's, that's number what one about, where you're going to fail. What about being willing to say you're not the right person yet? It's not and yet I did that time last for week. you. On tape, I did that last week. I talked to a girl. I didn't think it was going to work out, so I just held back. The second thing you're going to fail, if you're not eating your own dog food, when they come to you with questions, you're less prepared to answer them. The reason I use Ubuntu, even though my preferred distribution is Fedora, the reason that the number, the first thing I test things on is Ubuntu is because that's what everyone else is, that's what the world is gravitating to right now. And I need to have those answers. When somebody says, how do I install this particular software? I need to be able to say to that person, you know what, let me tell you, I, I had that same problem. And here's how I yeah, solved it. Yeah. And if you're not using it, if you think that you're you are going to right. you are going to help uh, somebody switch to Linux while you're sitting on Mac or while you're sitting <laughs> on Windows, I'm sorry, you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> so what? So that's my first thing is I become a student of of my uh, of my users first, learn what they want to do, and then I also have tried to solve those problems ahead of time so I can answer them. I keep a stock of of SSDs, and the first thing I do is I explain it to them like this. I say, listen, here's what I want to do. I want to take your hard drive, the thing that stores all of your data. I want to take that out of your computer. I'm going to give you one of my hard drives, a brand new hard drive, and it's going to be, it's going to be a lot better than the one that's in your computer because it's an SSD. And uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to install Linux on here. I want you to try it for one week. If after one week you don't like it, I'm going to take this drive. I'll put it back into your computer. And your computer will go back to functioning the way it did before I ever touched it. Now, I had to tweak this just a little bit because as Ultrabooks have come out, we have, you know, mm. of things that are soldered in. Now it's I'm going to clonezilla that computer and whatnot. What I've done is, and I, I couldn't bring all of them here, I have collected my 2.5-inch drives that I've taken from people's laptops, and I put them into a case. I have four of these. And each of these really? has That's each like of your- these cases— this is my—have you, know, you seen Dexter, how he has the yes, one slide? I, I collect hard say. drives. Okay? Yeah, these are like so all your victims. I have, <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I have little. I have these little uh, these little uh, weeb tech cases that have two and a half inch hard drives that I have taken. Cover up the name here. That yeah. I've taken out of people's computers, and every drive that is in this case represents a user that switched to Linux. I still have their drive, so at any point in time, they can call me and say I want to go back to Windows. Nobody in three uh, four some years of doing this, nobody has yet once called me and said I want to go back to Windows. I like that your has approach. Never once happened. The only problem is, is you got to be willing to pay for SSDs. <laughs> like that's not the cheapest way to switch people to Linux. It's really not, but it's it's that that you know what other you know so Daniel he is contributing back to the projects that that uh, you know that allowed him to be successful. I am going to I'll make that donation if it costs me and it's, you know really you can get a reasonable SSD for sixty seventy dollars nowadays. That's an investment I'm willing to make if that's what I have to do to get somebody to switch to Linux. Um, the 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 grand plan you originally put those behind was you. if they liked it for a couple months. What I was going to do was reinstall it on their slow hard yeah, drive and yeah. I just never, never want to do know, that. It's hard to rip no. somebody off the installation yeah. that they're comfortable with. So, so you should honestly store those on the shelf behind you um now uh yeah we could do that yeah it seems like a good spot for those every, every time i'd have to line them up though so you, you should can see them grow yeah you I, should I go get one one every couple months you should go get the oh, other ones yeah. too uh so i have uh, four of those here's why i here's why i like that strategy though because i bet you almost all the time they're coming from spinning disc so it is like exactly like it's not only is it like a, a, yeah. like a great os but it's gonna run super <laughs> fast compared to their old one and you're like yeah linux is great isn't it <laughs> <laughs> and and there are people that have asked me. They said, are, you know, the mumble room really gave me a hard time for that. They said, you're lying to people. You're being dishonest. Like, no, I'm not. I told them it's a better drive. If they ask, I will gladly tell them, hey, it's a solid state disk. Right. Yes, it's much faster yeah. than a spinning disk. However, they Linux probably wouldn't understand. Enough, yeah, yeah, that's that's a huge part of it. And here's the other thing: Linux has so many misconceived notions. There's so many people that say I can't use Linux unless I can use the command line and I can type complicated Linux scripts, and, which is a bunch of nonsense, right? You don't yeah. need to do the command line to be able to use Linux. I, we have enough of those problems that Linux already has to fight uphill. Hey, listen, if I can ease the if I can ease that transition by swapping out a disk, and and maybe I'm not totally upfront to the fact that it's it is it is a substantially better hardware than what they had before. And, it, and that gives a competitive advantage to Linux. I'm okay with that. And if that means I'm yeah. a bit dishonest, then okay. <laughs> no, I don't think it's, it's an, dishonest. It's, at the end of the day, it's it, the end users are benefiting. So yeah, I don't think it really is because you could even tell them that you could even describe it. People don't really know what that means. Um, all right. So now here is the big plan, everybody. Next weekend, uh, Noah is flying out to the Pacific Northwest and will be joining me in studio. And then he'll be out here until Linux Fest, which is the following weekend. So that means Noah's going to be out here for two Sundays in a row. So we'll have two Linux action shows with Noah in studio. But you might ask, why is Noah flying out so much earlier before Linux Fest Northwest starts? Why is Noah flying away from his wonderful family and his job? Can I answer that question? The business that he owns in Grand Forks. Why is Noah flying out to the Pacific Northwest a week, a week before Linux Fest Northwest? No, go. Uh, we, the, the first time we sat down, right before I was going to start doing the show live, I sat down <laughs> with an Evernote list because I knew I would forget things. Yes. And the first thing on the list was actually, if you don't give me something in writing, don't hold me accountable for it because I will forget. I can guarantee you that. But the second thing on the list was, and Chris, I think you should be the one to say this. Right. Noah wanted to do an episode where we switch my wife, Angela, the wife of the host of Linux Action Show since the beginning to Linux because it has been a, a, a thorn in my side since day one that she she's not just a Mac user. She identifies herself as a Mac user. She loves the Mac platform. She's all in on iTunes. She's all in on iPhoto. She's all in on the Mac desktop. And for all of these nine, nearly almost nine years, right, I have wanted to get her onto the Mac. 
And now, Noah and I have concocted a smooth migration strategy as Apple has offered us a crack in their otherwise rock-solid ecosystem as they begin the migration from iPhoto to Photos, a radically new photo application that drops many of the features and is dependent on iCloud storage, which Angela is not comfortable with. Now, the photos are the number one thing on my wife's computer that are important to her, and she has over 500 gigabytes of them, I believe, or almost 500 gigabytes of them. It is a massive task for any photo management program to manage, and I don't know which one I'm going to use for sure right now. I'm trending towards Shotwell, or actually... uh, well, I'll tell you more about that in a second. Uh, and, of course, we're going to have to figure out what to do with her iTunes and her all of her playlists and all of her ratings if we can move that over. And we're going to have to figure out how we're going to sync her iPhone if we can at all because she still manually syncs it over USB to her computer. And we're going to have to get the distribution to work on her MacBook Pro. And we're going to have to get all of this working to get her on camera to say it worked because at the end of the day, it's going to be on the record. So this is going to yeah. be a, and so she'll be number two in our switching journey of getting users to switch to Linux and how it went. So we'll get her switched. We'll get confessionals from her. It'll be raw. We'll get her real, honest opinion. And trust me, she'll tell you as it is. And uh, we'll see how it goes. The goal being to get her to stay on Linux and to her to make it to Linux Fast Northwest and Linux Fast Northwest running Linux on her MacBook. What do you think, Noah? I think it's. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be successful. I have no doubt that it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, right? Because if she's married to you, <clears throat> that means that every night she listens. She listens to things like the fonts don't look quite right. The 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 window isn't quite the right shade of gray. This and and and, and that and, and if and if you if you and, uh, coming from somebody uh, somebody who you know I talk with my wife about different things, right? I know that if that's something that means something to you, it has undoubtedly rubbed off onto her. And so she's going to be looking at every little thing yeah. and comparing this. However, yeah. here's where here's why I think it's going to be different this time. One, I think the stage has been set by Apple to set us up for success. Yes, right. Two, I have a disproportionate arrogant uh, a, a confidence in my own ability to right. switch people to Linux. Yes. And third of all, coming from a man who has tried to teach his wife numerous times to play golf and shoot, I know that oftentimes you cannot be successful at teaching your own wife to do something, but somebody else coming in, there's a little bit of that pucker factor yeah, that allows that yes. allows just a little bit of an advantage. Yes. So I have a, I have no doubt that with uh, with enough uh, uh, starvation threats and 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 a little bit of uh, Linux love, I yeah. think we can switch Angela. I, to I think Linux so. And 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 I've gotten her to accept that. Like, there's probably going to be a workflow change in how she does her photos a little bit. You know, there's going to be some workflow changes because, and and here's the best part. That's true even if she stays on the Mac, right? She's got to do workflow changes. Now, obviously, way more workflow changes if she switches to Linux. But the number one workflow, the most important workflow of all of them has to change. Mm -hmm. And if that's got to change, now's the point to strike. Well, And the other thing is, too, is... It, it changes, but it changes once because once she moves to Linux, the workflow is unlikely to significantly change again. Linux projects, for all of their for all of their great things, they do not move terribly fast, right? A lot of us aren't complaining that that <laughs> too many features are coming too fast and too many different pieces of software are coming available us too quickly. That is not. <laughs> I have a typical too many complaint. great we games. Just don't hear that. Yeah, we don't. We don't. We don't hear that coming. So, so I think that there. I think that this is. I, I think this is an advantage, and I think that it's the same advantage that Windows offered me when they switched. When they made the phenomenal decision to switch to Windows 8, because once they abandoned that start menu, people were like, "Well, if I don't have my start menu anyway." I guess why not give this Linux thing that this guy is talking about a chance? And the other thing that we have going for us is your wife is 
is organically interested in technology, right? So True. Angela is the kind of person that she she is interested in learning about technology, and she you know she's she's an intelligent person. So it's we are not those those are some of the battles that I have had to deal with with other people. Whereas they don't even understand that they're moving. There are some people I honestly to this day am not entirely a hundred percent convinced know that they're on Linux. Like I think they think they're on Windows. They just think they're on a newer version of Windows. <laughs> so you know, and I despite me trying to explain it, I I think that they continue on that belief, and I I understand that when they ask me questions like which version of Windows do I have installed, yeah. you know. So and and so those are the kind of things that we don't have to worry about with Angela. And because she's seen you use Linux, and she uses it when she sits down for the faux show, because that's you know what's on the bonobo, uh, you know she has some experience, and that that again that's gonna that's all gonna grease that transition. So I have I have pretty high confidence. The chat room, however, has is. very low confidence. Seventy five percent of the chat room believes that she will be back to the Mac in no time flat. Uh, oh, ye little faith. 28% thinks you'll make it. Huh? Yeah, l- let's define no time flat, because here's the problem with stuff like this. It'll be 10 years down the road, and people will be like, yeah, she's going to switch eventually. No, she, I she, say she's two gonna weeks. She's going to switch back eventually. I say two weeks. Two weeks. That's All what right. I think. Okay. It, that's what All I define right. no time flat, is about All two right. weeks or less. All right. Yeah, there we go. And then the votes are coming in right now. Uh, we'll see. Will Ann survive the switch? Number one thing I'm worried about is that photo and music workflow. And if we can get that solved either with Digicam or Darktable or maybe... Honestly, and I think you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but I think I'm going to switch her to Freya, the beta, the elementary OS beta we talked about earlier today in the show. I, I used it over the weekend, and what I realized was is it is a close match to her workflow. Like, the way it works, the way the position of the buttons, the dock, um, the simplified launcher, and they have forked photo, uh, Shotwell into their own photos application. And I'm tempted to see how that does. It's a little more simplified. Uh, it is the thing about the elementary OS apps is they they are clean. And Ange will see if if uh, like I started with Digicam. The first one I wanted mm-hmm. to switch Angela to was Digicam. And when I did that, uh, I I realized there's just way too much stuff going on in Digicam. I have a lot of respect for Digicam and a lot, and that's why it was my first choice. But I realized for her, she, she she's not she's not gonna she's not it's not that it's too complicated. It's just that she's gonna judge it. She's gonna judge the quality, applica- uh, quality of the application based on the quality of its design. And so um, <clears throat> for that reason, uh, I, I switched over. And then I started thinking more seriously about elementary Freya. Also, I suspect it would probably be a little bit easier to get working on her MacBook because I know they spend some time making that work. Uh, yeah, There's exactly. a lot of ways to go, and, but I think that would work. And I – and there, there are a couple things that I thought. One is because the UI is sort of modeled after Mac, or maybe not modeled after Mac, but certainly inspired by certainly it. Uh, certainly inspired by the, <laughs> the same design elements. But the other thing is because they they make a conscious effort to make sure that their software works on Mac, their OS works on Mac. I think that's probably a very good choice. Well, and also Angela doesn't need a lot of re- refreshed packages constantly. In fact, you could almost argue yeah. the Mac platforms updating too frequently for her at, at once a year. Uh, right. So even around there is a good release cycle actually for her. Um, and uh, it, she doesn't need the applications changing from out from underneath her. That's the last thing she needs. Mm-hmm. So, and and I like the. I, I honestly, my first thought was, like, but Arch, she can rock out GNOME. But then I was like, you know what? Then if, if her photo application changes on her, I would rather be able to install it once and have her look at it and then say, do you like this? Yes, no. Okay, we'll install this for you. And she can have that kind of control over it. Because right now, the control has been ripped out from underneath her with Apple. So one of the things I want to give her is the option to say, you know what? What I have now works well enough for me. I don't need the better version. And, then, and most times, she's not going to go that route. But I'd like to give her that option again, which because Apple's removed it. Why you, you have to work on you have to, you have to work on your wording a little bit, my friend. It's not. Do you like this? It's this is much better than what you had before, isn't it? <laughs> so you lead them into it, and then then they, then then they have to like be like, well, actually, no, I don't. Th-. You know, like they have to like come up with the sentence and for it's much easier, 
much easier just to be like, yeah, uh, I guess. All right, now it's, it's <laughs> shaked out a little bit. 58% think that she'll be back to the Mac in no time flat, and 42% think she'll make it. We'll Here, all right, I, I tell you what, I can swing it in my favor, okay? Chris is doing the fonts. <laughs> I, I suspect that she'll make it to Linux Fest Northwest, and then after that she'll switch back. But we'll see. I don't know. I'm hopeful. I guess we'll see. I'd be really happy. Well, you've you known her infinitely longer than I have, so I suppose you're, you could have a much better idea. I, but, well, but I also, like I, I said, it's the best time. And you know what? I'll, I'll embed this in the yeah. show notes if folks want to vote at home, too. Yeah. I, I, now is the time to strike, so we're doing it. Uh, Noah, is there mm-hmm. anything else we want to cover on the, our first Chronicle? We'll do, we'll do several more, I think, ending with our, hopefully, uh, man-on-the-street interviews at Linux Fest Northwest. People yeah. stop by the booth. We'll ask them about their Switch, document it, and we'll play the best ones in a future episode <coughs> of The Big Show. Um, and we might have some more interviews coming up very soon, including next week we should have some chats with Angela about her Switch. So my goal is, is we'll have a series of videos that you can give to new Switchers and say, here's some f- similar Switchers. Here's the things that worked for them. Here's the things that didn't work. Here's why it worked for them. Here's why it didn't work for them. And maybe when people switch, this will be a batch of episodes they can watch that will help them make the process even easier for them. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would add, if there is anyone there that has that has a lot of experience switching Mac users, I have done four successful switches from Mac OS to, to Linux on Mac hardware, um, and every one of them has had problems. I've always ran into a gotcha. Uh, and so if there's anyone out there that has uh, that has experience, especially with a, uh, a, a 2014, uh, late 2014 MacBook, please reach out. And, and if you have experience with photo editing uh, or, or photo management, yeah. uh, uh, specifically Large with libraries. iPhoto, and now you've gone to, to, to Linux, please reach out. Let us know how, how you've done that. I want to hear your tips and tricks because... I've I've switched a ton of people to Linux. It's almost always from PC hardware, and every time I've tried to do it on Mac hardware, I always run into problems. We always get it worked out, yeah. But there's always problems. Yeah, and I'd like to hear about those. Ahead any of time if any I could. tips, suggestions, um, guides for converting an iTunes? I'm, I mean, remember these are all current Mac apps too, so it can't be like stuff that works for like iTunes 10 or something, right? It's got to be all current stuff moving from iTunes to to. I've seen some scripts. But I don't know what works or doesn't work. We're going to try different stuff. But we'd really like when we when it goes in because we actually to make it all fit in production time window, we're going to have to like tactical strike this thing. Like like seriously, yeah. like I've, I'll be doing stuff while Noah's fly in the air. I'll be on the yes. ground like prepping the scene, right. and then Noah right. arrives. And yeah, it's because well, we got to fit it all fu- for production. It's really it's particularly funny because the whole reason of going the, the the original reason of going early was so that we wouldn't have to rush to get all this stuff done and then just the way that the timetables are going to shake out it it just yeah. there's no other way to do it it just has to happen that particular day so yeah you're right it is going to be a mad couple days so it'll hopefully be fun. if you've got and experience with these kinds of challenges uh, like large photo libraries migrating those kinds of things keeping the metadata all that kind of stuff we'd love to hear it just go to the linuxactionshow.reddit.com subreddit or go to jupiterbroadcasting.com and click the contact link and then you can email that into us. Wow. All right. I'll also put the straw poll in the show notes if you guys want to check that out. But Noah, that is the Linux Action Show's look at chronicling the journey of a new Linux user. And that brings us to the end of this week's show. But Noah, before we get out of here, we do have some feedback. Our first one comes in from Oliver A. And uh, Oliver uh, has, uh, he says, an app in my company as a subject line, and he has a story for us. I just wanted to write in and give you an app pick. Of my company. I run a small consulting company with six business consultants, uh, you know, big guys in suits. I send them everywhere on the planet, so communication, sharing information, and security is key for us. Since our clients have quite sensitive information, the cloud is not the way to go. We use a very simple solution, easy to set up and very effective, subversion in combination with SSH. 
First, my new colleagues are a little puzzled. But after the setup of five minutes on the client and training further for 15 minutes, I have no further training to do. It's straightforward and very simple. My benefits are secure or by using OpenSSL. Yes, I do updates on this weekly. I use open source and free software throughout. Nice GUI clients for my spoiled colleagues and easy to set up on the server. He uses a Linux container. I have a versioning built right in, and Subversion has a simple but effective rights management system. Keep up the good work. This might be useful for others. Oliver. That's very nice, Noah. It's like uh, yeah. your own custom secure Dropbox in a way. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 like that, I like that he looks at this problem and he's like, this is the problem I have. Maybe a solution doesn't exist, but I can make a solution exist yeah. by you know, shoehorning this yeah. together. And he comes love up with a nice custom offering. I just love it. Yeah, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's something unique now that he gets to offer his clients. Right. I think that's cool. Do you want to take Jordan's? So, yeah, so the second one, uh, or Gordon, I, I mean, I mean. It's Gordon, no? Yeah, Gordon, Gordon J? Yeah, it's Gordon. And he writes in with IT data management. I manage the IT infrastructure for a few small companies, and I need an open source solution which will allow me to store data, customer data, IP address, server information, passwords, and other IT-related things so it can be easily accessed, managed, and modified. Since you both have been active as IT consultants, you must have used some application, a CMS, a CRM script, that will do the job well. My second question? What do you recommend for a web-based tool to monitor multiple servers? I have a few CentOS servers that I need to monitor and just need something that will give me like a dashboard, which will show all the servers with uptime, data, and bandwidth usage. So I, it's, it's amazing to me when I read some of this stuff and I'm like, how do I not have an answer for this? Mm. And I, I, have, I have a ton of hacked together crap that I have done. But the more I think about it, especially when people write such succinct questions, I know there's somebody out there that's like, oh, uh, the answer is X, Y, Z, right? So uh, we turn this feedback se- segment because we want to ask who, who, uh, who out there it has a piece, uh, who has these two pieces of software? One that is doing this IT inventory tracking, and I see that you have Nagios for the track. Well, Nagios obviously yeah. for the um, for the monitoring. Um, you know, there is right. a distribution, Noah. That oh shoot, I'm forgetting the name of it. I'm super sorry. It it, it comes with Nagios pre setup and some other IT software packages. It's crazy easy to install, and it is really great. And it's exactly what he needs. And I'm totally blanked mm-hmm. on the name. Uh, but Nagios is a great place to start. There's and there's other distributions out there that come with Nagios preloaded on them, or you can install it on anything you like already. And it's slick. It does the monitoring, the alerting. Have you ever played with it? No, oh, no yeah, I've yeah. heard of it. I've heard of it, and there was actually a demo. I think it's. Uh, I want to see scale. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Scale. Yeah, I'm sure. There's. I'm yeah. sure there's. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. been. Uh, and in fact, we could maybe do an episode in the future. It's kind of complicated to set up. That's why I did recommend you can go find distros that help you set it up. But it gives you full mm-hmm. on like monitoring, uh, loads. It can do alerting based on uh, system availability. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, Alan uses this to monitor all of Scale Engine. And, uh, you know, you can generate dashboards of services and systems that are up and whatnot and do escalations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it is a really great monitoring system. There's a lot out there, but uh, Nagios is the uh, classic open source one. And uh, if I can, uh, you know what, I'll look, after the, uh, I'll look after we wrap up and see if I can find the name of that distro that is really great that comes with the preset up as well as some of the other tools. But Nagios would be where I'd go. So, yeah. If you have a question for the show, linuxactionshow.reddit.com or... For example, like if you have a great answer for uh, uh, Gordon's uh, question there, like a little better, because Nagios is just part of his question because he wants inventory and all that stuff. That, I'm not so sure on, but I'd love a great answer. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com would be a great place to submit that. Or go to the contact page, uh, go to Jupiter Broadcast, just click that contact link. Ch- make sure you choose Linux Action Show from the drop down. You'd be surprised how many people just choose general, don't even change it, just leave it on general comments, and then we never get your email. Like that happens a lot. So make sure you choose Linux Action Show until I redesign that, and uh, then Noah will read your email. And if you have an answer to that question, uh, Noah will go right into his brain organ, and he'll be able to answer it in the future and give us a follow-up. 
Yeah. Uh, also, speaking of follow-up, did you know we do a lot of follow-up on stuff we cover in this show in Linux Unplugged every Tuesday? You can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to find out when we do that live. And I would invite you to show up live because we have an open mumble room. It's our virtual Linux users group, and you can participate. We just do a mic check to make sure you're not going to sound obnoxious on air. And then you get in to comment on the stories and do follow-up. Uh, we covered uh, like some follow-up. And, and basically, almost, almost every episode, we follow up on a topic from that Sunday's Linux Action Show. So if you want more info on that stuff, that's a great supplement to that. And uh, Matt joins me on there. And sometimes Noah stops by in the Mumble Room as well. So you get more Noah as well. Hey, Noah, is there anywhere you want to send people throughout the week uh, while we're off air? While you're traveling over Either- here? Yeah, yeah, actually, uh, so obviously you can uh, you can track me down during my day job, AltaSpeed. We provide IT, commercial IT services in the Grand Forks area, and of course we are uh, we are actively looking to expand uh, to a wider audience. And if that is if you're if you're more interested in in uh, fulfilling your own Linux itch, then join us in the Mumble Room. the The Mumble Room happens officially on Tuesdays, but informally every night it's always a good time. Going. We sit down, we solve people's Linux problems, and uh, have really, really, really oddball discussions about some really weird things but uh, that's available to anyone and uh, it's a good time yeah and if you want to know what where to find that mumble room that we mentioned from time to time we don't always give out the address i mean you can find it unpublished but it's really uh it's much simpler to just go into our chat room and then just do a bang mumble and the bot in there will tell you what the address is and the reason why i do that is because sometimes we need to change it in case you know something happens so it's sort of a dynamic uh, update there it's sort of like the insiders club to find that you go into irc room that's uh, irc.geekshed.net uh, and that's pound Jupiter Broadcasting for the room. And then you do a bang. I know. All these IRC stuff, right? You do a bang to get the <laughs> bang mumble to get the mumble server. And then you can hang out and have a conversation. Noah's in there pretty frequently. All right. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. Be sure to join us live next Sunday at jblive.tv, 10 a.m. Pacific, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for your local time. We'd love to hear your suggestions on people's switching efforts and all of that stuff. Thanks so much. See you right back here next week. A woman at McDonald's today tell me that they didn't have a big breakfast. <laughs> and you're I like, might have been you're like honey, I don't want to tell you how to do your job. But well, I, didn't, I actually didn't say anything. I just kind of sat there and waited for her to figure it out. And then I was just like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you are. Because I want my big breakfast. <laughs> and I'm not leaving without it. You know, when you, you know how you know you're a fatty? Uh, you eat big breakfast at McDonald's? Actually, that is kind of a fatty thing, yeah. Uh, yeah no, yeah. here's how I know I was a fatty. I don't do this anymore because I, 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 every now and then I still go to Jack in the Box. I like Jack in the Box. That's mm. one of my favorite fast foods. I know. I know. I know. It's like a salt lake. You wouldn't go there if I told you how they made their burgers. Dude, it comes in, it comes in a bag and then they squeeze it out onto the grill. It's like a paste. I'm like, yeah, but when you make like homemade sausage patties, actually that might have been actually that might have been White Castle. That might, I think that was White Castle. This so here's right. the thing. Let me White tell Castle. you about this though. Hmm. This is how you know you're a fatty. So I go, I to, I'm going to the drive-thru and I'm like. Uh, yeah, can I get uh, a bacon, bacon, cheeseburger, and uh, one taco? Uh, sorry, be sir, everything? We, we don't have uh, a bacon, bacon? Uh, yes, you do. Uh, it's just not on the menu. Uh, no, I... Oh. oh, you're right. Yeah, okay, sorry, sir. Here's, here's the bacon, bacon. Okay, and can I get just one taco, please? I would like just one taco. I don't want two tacos. Uh, well, it's two tacos for 99 cents. Would you like two tacos? No, I want one taco. Uh, I don't. I don't know if we can do just one taco. Yes, you can do one taco. It's seventy nine cents. And yes, that's fine. I'll pay seventy nine cents for one taco. Oh, uh, let me ask my manager. <laughs> okay, yes, sir. We can do one taco for seventy nine cents. Is there anything else you'd like? No, thank you.
That's how you know you're a fatty when you're sitting there no, telling here, the person. He, here's how you know that you're Chris Fisher and you're a little too picky is because you would rather you would rather sit there and argue about it for five minutes and just pay your ninety nine cents, suck up the twenty cents, take that taco and throw it out the window or handle it to a homeless bum or set it, give it to the lady for all I care, give it to me when I come, but just take your taco it's for twenty cents. It's the principle of it, Noah. No, it's the principle of the thing. Your principle of twenty cents. You know, Jeez. I, I, you know uh, what? The, I earn twenty cents in bitcoins no, on my free if Bitcoin you think about thingy. It, I'm technically paying more for one taco. 79 cents I, for I one taco that. versus 99 cents for two tacos is a much better well, deal than two tacos. One, it doesn't matter. Right, it's no, much better. You, no. I, here's, the, here's why I don't do it. Here's it's not a better why. deal. No, it's not a better deal. You're wrong. That is the Ting versus Verizon argument. You're paying for something no, that no. you're not going to eat. I just will eat it. That's or the problem. That's why I don't get two. Because oh. I will eat it. I will well, eat just, it. The, here's what you do. And I don't want to eat two tacos. I only want one taco. Well, you take the two, you pull one out, you God, put that I'm in the Chris, I'm going to eat this bag later, and then you take the other one and you go, here, ma'am, have a great day, thanks for your awesome service, and just hand it back. Or, if they don't like that, be like, do you have a trash? Here you go. And just hand the taco back. Nailed. Burger King? That's what you do. Burger King doesn't put cheese on shit. What are you going to eat at Burger King that's got cheese on it? What do you Nothing. Mean? Burger King doesn't put cheese oh, on it. Oh, now they got Burger to King it. has cheeseburgers. They have cheeseburgers. Yeah. Finally. They? You know what's got a cheeseburger? One. Cheese. Until Mitt Romney bought that place, they had one cheeseburger. <laughs> really? Seriously? Until How many Fang, cheeseburgers do you Until Cap, you got to put cheese on everything. No, you don't have cheese to put cheese on everything. Cheese goes on everything. Here's what happens. If you put cheese on everything, certain people have problems with their stomach, and then they get upset then when there's I just too much don't cheese, get cheese on everything. I don't get cheese. You know what? If so I got to peel the cheese back. What? You think everybody should change because guys like me can't have cheese? No, no. I, think, I can just I think say don't put cheese keep the on. Price it. at the lowest common denominator, and we just add the cheese back on. As picky people like you want yeah, cheese well, on everything. That That's might be all fine and good, but you look at the financials. Yeah. The, the burger places that put cheese on everything sell way more burgers. Have than you the priced places. heart disease lately? Cheese is the number one it, contributor to heart disease. I know heart it, disease number one killer. So hey man, really I'm not talking about saving lives here. I'm talking about selling burgers. Money, 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 heart disease, money, lots of money, like 40, 50, 60, 70, 80,000, $90,000 of money. Cheese They're doing on it for everything. You, to save you money. No, no, not cheese on everything. Cheese on the things that I want cheese on, not cheese on the things I don't want cheese on. My son doesn't like cheese. If they put cheese on it, he'll get upset. When he gets upset, I have to drive back because we can't peel and, the cheese off. And we while we're talking about Burger King, get- let's talk about those BS phony onion rings that are kind of good. But they're not onion rings. They're like onion smash. Burger King, dude. The Burger King onion rings. Onion rings. They take onions. They coat them in batter. They don't take onions. onion ring. They don't. That's the thing. They take an onion paste that is like the leftover onion trimmings from their burgers that they trim for their burgers. And they mash it all together. And they squirt it into paste. Uh, pastries, and then they fry those pastries, and they call them mini onion rings. When really, are you serious? Sli- yeah, there's there's leftover onions from their from their uh, burgers for the onions they cut for their burgers, and they they Ugh. then they blend it all up into some phony bologna onion concoction that they make with some sort of gelatinous stuff that makes it stringy, and that's their onion ring. It's a travesty. You know, you're wrong about barbecue. You're wrong about cheese. You're wrong about your stupid tacos, and you're wrong about the whole elementary thing. You know all that other stuff. That, you're wrong about all that. But you have a point on the onions. That is kind of <laughs> gross. I'm not going to lie. Like that, right? that doesn't sound even... Know. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of this stupid place that we have in Grand Forks. They have really good tacos, but they have this thing called the garbage taco. And you know what the garbage taco is? All the stuff that falls onto the counter, they scrape it up, and instead of throwing it in the trash, they put it into a taco and sell it to hmm. you for a dollar. And I'm like, why would you want that? Well, Who wants that? That's disgusting. I don't, I don't want know. that. I don't know. Sometimes even scratch. I, I don't want... 
I don't want used onion rings, sir. <laughs> you never shared the dock. Onion rings. You never shared the what? dock. Now, I, now I got to double. I, now, uh, now I got to double check on all your work all the time now because you're not sharing. Here, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share with the production account, and then then nobody can complain. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the old dock, and I'm just going to go see what. Oh, we didn't. I thought we shared the old one with him. Yeah, see, it's your fault. I click share with the same people, and I told you I was going to do it, and you approve that. Uh, so therefore, I shed responsibility onto you. They're now shared at the production wow, cock, so wow. everyone can calm down. All right, there you go, Rotten. There you go. Everybody can calm Rotten, down. you can share with another account if you need to, if it makes it more comfortable, because I know the Google accounts are pain in the ass, I'll tell you what. All right, no, what, where do you want to start with this? Do you want to just start with the interview and then chat after that? So, yeah, yeah, we can do that, and then, and then ad-lib Phil. Look, guys, I'm not saying you get cheese on everything, because I don't get cheese on anything. Oh, 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 oh no, we're, this all ain't right. going down. Right. Nuh-uh. No, all right. Nuh-uh. We, we got to get to the show. We got to do the show. It, it, is, uh, it is literally 1220. It is literally 1220, and we haven't done the feedback segment yet. We got to do it. Sorry. All right. Okay. <laughs> Snap into a Slim Jim. <clears throat> yeah. That's what happens when I don't eat and you don't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I actually slept pretty good this last is either gonna, here's, here's what's going to happen. You mark my words. Either people are going to write in and be like, wow, last was really good this week. You guys were really energetic. Guys there rambled. was a lot of back and forth. It was no. great. Or or it's going to be, this was terrible. You guys talked. I mean, you guys were all over the freaking You were incoherent. You plan a show? Yeah, right. There was no planning involved. Clearly, the show is put together at the last possible <laughs> set. That's what, yeah. It's going to be one of those two things, and it will never be in the middle. Yeah, it'll be an extreme. Know, and yeah. of course, it'll be a bad thing one way yeah, or the other. Yeah, somehow. Yeah. Somehow, it'll turn into a bad yeah, thing. Either we just peaked, or we've hit a new low. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>